Welcome to Top 5 Comics, people talking about comics, pop culture, and events. Today as our special guest, we have Curtis. Chip Chip Cheerio. We have Mike. What the hell was that? We have Ross. Hey. We have also special guest Jay. Hey, guys. We have Craig. Our Lady of Blessed Acceleration, don't fail us now. And the one who's trying to keep us all together, CBS. If you can't see, I'm palming my face to Craig. <laughs> and Rob. Hey. Hi. 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 <laughs> That's Rob. Uh, all right, so today we're doing uh, Deadpool, or sorry, Night of the Living Deadpool number one, uh, followed by Just League of America number 11, uh, followed by Curse number one. Then uh, Seekers of the Weird, also number one. And then uh, Rat Queens, number four. Woo! Huzzah! Apparently that's <laughs> the only good one of the bunch. So. No, <laughs> it's just because Curtis is... Real. I like rats and queens. Yeah, not in that order. That's where my Chip Chip Cheerio came from. Evil that's right. Mm. It's not BS. Is it already <laughs> rated for M for mature? No. No. M for madly awesome. <laughs> it does carry an um, infirmature reader level. We're not talking about that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I'm just saying. Otherwise, Craig wouldn't be able to read it. <laughs> it's a state of mind, not an age. <laughs> <laughs> I will have no comments for that one. <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good choice. Oh, yeah, let's go start with Night of the Living Deadpool. Uh, first thing is, it's, it's actually pretty cool that they did this, because I'm... Pretty sure the idea was that they just got the Romero rights, since they're doing their own Romero comic for Marvel, and so doing the Night of Living Deadpool was more of a nod to that they just got the Romero rights than it was really just let's do another Deadpool mini. But most of the way I think it's done is supposed to be kind of a nod to the original Romero Night of Living Dead. So the book is actually mostly black and white with Deadpool as the only thing that's in color. An occasional flashback. That's right. Basically, Deadpool wakes up in a deserted city in his favorite chimichanga all-you-can-eat restaurant, where evidently he's passed out from having too many chimichangas. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) And uh, he doesn't really realize that anything's gone wrong, or why he's by himself. Or where anybody else is, so you can get more chimichangas. <laughs> well, that's Deadpool. Or pay the bill, which is odd that you want him to pay the bill. Well, it seems like he's gone to the chimichanga place quite a bit. Yeah, he's a regular customer. And they actually <laughs> like him, because on the way out, he sees that there's a note on the door that says that they couldn't wake him. <laughs> but they were happy that uh, he was he was a good customer, even though he was a horrible tipper. <laughs> so they locked him inside to help protect him. And he's like, well, protect me from what? Nobody's here. And he kind of already realizes that he thinks the world's over. And we see a newspaper that says uh, the dead are walking, but of course he he just assumes that he's being pranked. Uh, He thinks he's being punked somehow. Then he talks about how, you know, well, maybe I should have seen the small things. And that's when we get the full-color flashbacks with him shaking down a gangbanger. Uh, He's, like, holding him off the side of a building, threatening to drop him if he... Doesn't tell him how some gang or some mob boss escaped his his death. 
And uh, when the guy doesn't tell him, he drops him off the building, evidently, and by the time he gets downstairs, he's gone. And, of course, Deadpool's just like, oh, it must have been a shorter building than I thought it was. Well, the whole time he's shaking the guy down, the dude's like, he is dead, he is dead. He's like, well, no, we, he, I have reports of him walking around. And then he lets the guy fall. And you can see a pretty gnarly mess where he hit the ground, and, like, people all gasping at the bloodstain. <laughs> the guy evidently walked away from him. Then we have him riding on the subway later, and there's all sorts of people with their nose bleeding. And he's just like, weird, I just need some Purex, you know, to Purell. rinse my mouth with. <laughs> yeah. And even later on, he's walking down, you know, the street with some, uh, some straight workers. <laughs> and, uh, you know, this guy comes running out of the alley, grabbing his neck where he's been bitten. And he's like, she bit me, she bit me. And he's just like, ooh, kinky. Deadpool. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite, though, is when he's at the cemetery, and he's like, yeah, one from my homies, and he's, like, pouring some booze on the grave, and there's just dead bones. There's just zombies walking around in the graveyard behind him. Usual Deadpool obliviousness. He just completely misses it. And uh, we haven't, like, get all the way to the point where he goes into the chimichanga restaurant, where they're having a newscast about what's going on, which he asks them to change the channel because there's a new Golden Girl, or there's a Golden Girl marathon going on. Let's see. B. Arthur awesome. Yes. Evidently. That's what he named the spaceship, folks. <laughs> B. Arthur. Right, it's true. Mod. Anyhow, so, uh, gonna have him wandering around the deserted city for a little bit. And he finally comes across one of the first of the undead. But surprisingly enough, they actually talk. Well, kind of. I mean, yeah, kind of talk. This first one was able to at least sort of converse with him. But what they're saying is tends to be like repeating, and it doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense. A lot of them seem to be like uh, going through their last moments of life or whatever in their head over and over again. Quite possible. But they're reluctant, but they can't control their bodies. Their urge. Well, the first one that he faces off against, he winds up decapitating, and the head's still alive, so he decides to shoot it. And it's trying to warn him not to shoot it. And as he does, it brings like a whole zombie herd. And even Deadpool pretty quickly is being overrun by hordes of zombies and all of their crazy talk. Until he manages to get kind of out to a street where uh, it looks like like a ragtag group of military guys show up in the back of a van or back of a it's probably like, like a, a pinto, like a rabbit or something. I'm not even sure what kind of vehicle that is. I don't know if it's actually a real vehicle or not. He's got like a little chopped off back, and it doesn't. It's like a yeah, like a Camino. Okay. There you go. I'm gonna say one of those Chevette things. (laughs) I thought Pinto, but yeah, El Camino. That's the one. That's the way. But um, either way, there's like an El Camino that comes pulling up with a couple of guys with. It looks like a couple of them are military, and other ones are just other survivors, but with, like, a heavy machine gun. And they, like, basically tell them to get down and start hosing the crowd. And if you catch the license plate on the El Camino, is like, born to kill zombies. <laughs> awesome. And they kind of, you know, have the very stereotypical group. So you got, like, the military guy, and then, like... The guy who's trying to save his son, and then the other military guy who's already been bit, who's like, oh, I don't know if I can make it back. <laughs> so, 
we'll see how this goes. But they're, they're evidently trying to go to a safe zone, because he was already in a, an area that was pretty overrun. And we find out from there that most of the other heroes were already taken out pretty early. And like the only real indication we get to see from that is Cap's shield. But, yeah, it's definitely like Deadpool in a Romero world. And Deadpool is a little bit less over the top, I guess, at least in this issue. Yeah, and compared to his normal like hygiene and stuff, there's still some of that in there. And his retrospect on the world is very Deadpool. Uh, his normal obliviousness to anything but what he's doing. But his normal hijinks, there's a lot more, I guess, Deadpool shenanigans, generally. Well, so he doesn't have the uh, voices talking to him in this one. I noticed that, too. So it's not it's not quite over the top like normal. And it's hard to say if that's going to come back in the next one, if there's some other reason why that is. Um, but when the zombies are talking to him, it, him getting overrun wasn't necessarily just because of the horde. It was more because they kept talking, and that was freaking him out. And then when he shows up in the back of the truck, like he he, he says something to one of the guys about them talking to him, and he's like, uh, yeah, no, and dismisses it pretty quickly. So it seems like they only talk to Deadpool, maybe? No. I mean, he says something to him about it. It's like one of the guys the was in there, they say they don't all do it, but some of them do. Yeah. Right, but everyone we saw with Deadpool seemed to be talking. And like I'll give you, with the guy the guy says it just seemed to repeat the same thing, which is pretty much what we were seeing. But uh, they're all asking Deadpool to kill them. And eventually, after he cut the guy's the one first one's head off, like afterwards, it's like no, no, don't shoot me because it'll bring more. And then he shoots him anyway because he's not paying attention to what he says. Yeah, he's dead. But at that point, he they were asking he was asking him to kill him. So I don't know. I think it, it's going to be something different, more along the lines that Deadpool can kind of understand him. Maybe. I mean, I guess maybe it might just be a, a thing that where Romero was always going with his uh, weird uh, survivor of the dead stuff, which is was weird. I mean, I, I, don't get me wrong, I love George, but at some point I think the will fell off and he started buying into his own hype. Well, the survivor of the dead stuff, yeah, that was it's, it's a bad show. But um, I myself, I think half of what we don't actually get any of the dialogue boxes in his head is that none of this is happening. <laughs> yeah, we were talking about that the other day. Yeah, That's a pretty interesting idea. I, I think he's just completely having nightmares from a ch chimichanga-induced <laughs> coma. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if that's <laughs> something to do it. Yeah, ate a bad chimichanga. <laughs> yeah, but no, when, when you go over to Diary and Survival of the Dead, like, yeah, they're, they're bad news. And I don't know if it's just that he doesn't know what he's doing or... He just had people around him that were like, oh, this is too dark, you need to have some comedy. But um, the, the comedy got out of control, it gets stupid. Yeah, well, I think when he first started out with stuff, I mean, Night of the Living Dead has a different flavor to it than even, like, Day of the Dead. And Day of the Dead's got that weird pie fight in the middle of it, the original Day of the Dead. A biker zombie pie fight. Freaking I mean, weird. Dawn of the Dead. <laughs> Dawn of the Dead, yeah, my yeah. bad. No, that's all right. Um, yeah, and his reasoning for that was weird, too, which is like, well, we've had everything in here except for a pie fight, so... Bye bye. Bye bye. Yeah, <laughs> which is actually exactly what his idea was. It's it's, it's kind of funny. Like we we've, we've only really gotten to run into Romero once, and it's it's odd because he reminds me so much of Stanley. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> so like there is a little bit of like just cheesiness to him, <laughs> right? But I never thought of that. He does. Uh, <laughs> I I think it's just that era, like, but. 
what you're saying is all people born in that time are Stanley. They they might have a streak of cheesiness in them. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just who's, think about Doctor Seuss. Who's Stanley? Stanley. He was one of the uh, <laughs> chief writers for Marvel back in the day. <laughs> you know who Stanley is. Created created most of the legends of Marvel. <laughs> I can see you through this window and you're laughing. <laughs> What's in the movie? <laughs> oh, let me get my gun. <laughs> Man, you know, stupid. <laughs> but I, in in regards to this story, actually, I think it's pretty good. It is, uh, it's it's like Night of the Living Dead. It has a slow beginning. It gets fever pitched as the zombies show up. I, I think that's exactly how it was supposed to be. So, yeah, I've heard it getting a little flack online from people, but I think the only reason it's getting that is because, like you said, it doesn't start out with the normal Deadpool shenanigans right at the bat. I mean, yeah, you lead into it a little bit, and Granny doesn't have the extra voices, but it really does turn out to be him in a passed-out food coma. Uh, that kind of makes sense. So it's not none of it's even happening, which is quite possible. Uh, when he first wakes up, too, he's like, mm, man, worst thing about Jimmy, about eating so much, when you pass out, you wake up, you're still hungry, or you have diarrhea. Or you have both. I hate when both happen at the same time. Which is pretty freaking hilarious, but the whole time he's kind of like, oh, my stomach hurts. Anyway, so I think it's pretty likely that he's eating bad chimichangas and now he's just having a zombie experience because of it. I, uh, that's what I think. It's uh, uh, Whatever the last one is, he's going to wake up. It's been a dream and what all. But at least until they get there, I think they're going to try and play it somewhat uh, serious since it's a Romero film. Right. Or Romero-inspired thing. There you go. <laughs> but I see a lot of, uh, of the the zombie uh, zombie films of the last uh, few years in there. It's like, uh, it's black and white because it's Romero. You know, you got some uh, Romero uh, references dropped in the background, which is fine. Right. Kind of got uh, Deadpool's obliviousness, which kind of reminds me of uh, Shaun of the Dead. And yeah, I can see that. And you got these, 28 days later. Right, 28 days later, because yeah. he wakes up after the initial, you know, uh, onset uh, or onslaught happens, and he's clueless about it, or even Walking Dead, I guess. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. That's probably where that comes from. Mm-hmm. But uh, you made a pretty good observation when you read it, there, Craig, uh, Craig, that I didn't catch, which is he mentions some of the other last men on Earth. <laughs> yeah, that, that was my disappointment. Uh, that was my disappointment. He goes, uh, goes and mentions, uh, oh, I'm like Omega Man or the last man on the Earth, and then he goes, then he goes, uh, then he mentions. Uh, like Charlton Heston or Will Smith, and he doesn't mention Vincent Price. Aww. That's my big. That's my big quibble about this one. Yeah, it was his point. He lists all four names, but for some reason he manages to miss that one. Yeah, that. that uh, I can understand the internet's ire at missing the big one. <laughs> I mean, Vincent wasn't the first one. Technically, Omega Men was. <laughs> Although, wouldn't it be cool if it connected to that? And we have Vincent Price. Oh. <laughs> oh, that'd It'll, be crazy. That would be crazy. Yeah. Well, the series will be redeemed. <laughs> I'll take it all back if he uh, teams up with Vincent Price. <laughs> no promises. Yeah, I can't guarantee that's going to happen, Craig. But at the same time, it wasn't like a bad story. Like no. After reading a like, few quips online about it, I thought, man, this is going to be terrible. It really wasn't. Like, it really was kind of fun. Like, it's a little different for Deadpool, but at the same time, I, I have a feeling as we go through the next batches of them, that we're going to see different pieces of different zombie movies, kind of like you were saying. 
So the next one will probably be in less My Living Dead and more uh, Dawn of the Dead and so on and so forth probably. Because there's four issues. They could easily go through four different Romero films <laughs> up to the end. That's what I was going to say is yeah. how crazy would it be if it changed styles. Right. Like the next one was a more... Yeah, I kind of wonder if that's the case. I can totally see Deadpool ending up in a mall at some point in this series. Exactly, right? <laughs> And plus, it would have been a little too much if you just let Deadpool run around and destroy all of the zombies. Like, <laughs> right. It would be a little too much. Plus, I mean, we have to assume that they're, whatever is making this has to have some kind of effect on characters like Deadpool. Otherwise, Wolverine would still be there, too. So. Now, they talk about all the heroes falling, so at this point, we're supposed to just believe that he's the only one left. That is it. And they, oh, right. they don't, even the guys in the back, the survivors in the back are like, hey, aren't you that Deadpool guy? And they treat him like he's some type of hero, but they really don't. I mean, he's still Merc with a mouth, so right. he does good things, he does bad things. It just depends on who pays more. Mm-hmm. Which kind of reminded me of the uh, Dead Reckoning one, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah okay. The groups with uh, Dennis Land, Hopper. Land of the Dead? Yeah, yeah. that's the one. Yeah, okay, I can see that. Land of the well, Dead was, was pretty. I, I like Land of the Dead a lot, okay. actually. <laughs> it, it shows the first rock down the wrong path, though. It's, I mean, uh, at least for zombies, in, in my view of Romero stuff, the rock? it starts to fall. The, I think. the talking zombies kind of build on that, uh, build on the the, th- the thread that he's been building on for like two of the movies right. where well, he's already the zombies are zombies this yeah. year, so the yeah. zombies are presidents. remembering what their old lives were and what all now and Deadpool kind of talking you know yeah, that's in the Deadpool world though like we're talking about the Romero films I mean push posh <laughs> now you're splitting hair oh, well, who right, lit the limey right. in here yeah well Someone has to go Is that Jason see. Statham over there? Might be. <laughs> Some, I wish. Like <laughs> oh, man. With, with as many worlds as we have and as many zombies as we have, we do have to split hairs sometimes. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. I didn't say it was bad. No. Uh, yeah. A bad thing. <laughs> I think that's a different kind of conversation if we're going to talk about the zombie and Romero movies and how all that's supposed to go. Can we have that conversation now? Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I want to. It seems to be appropriate. Okay, fine. Okay, so the whole Night Living Dead, fine. Uh, I think it got a lot of buzz behind it. Originally it was called Flesh Eating Ghouls. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the zombie, or the Night Living Dead got added onto it afterwards, which is what screwed Romero and the whole franchise rights. And the time he and Rob were talking to him, that's the story he was telling us, is about how he lost the rights to it because of the way they put the trademark on the film. And that's why zombies are like free reign for everybody because he basically created them. And then the idea of them being zombies he lost because what he trademarked was flesh eating ghouls and they cut that off the film. Well, at least the name, the, the name for it. Yeah, that, right. That, that poor guy got screwed over so bad. He did. Which is why you <laughs> see like a new version of that film come out every two years and like the 3D version, the colored version, the hyper color version. You know, so they come like every couple of years. You see a new one out at, at the Walmart or Target or whatever. That's because no one really owns it at this point. Like, I guess there there must be a DVD release company that owns it, but George doesn't get anything from I, it. I think it's actually like pre. I think it's one of the. It might it might very well be. I mean, it's old enough now, and I noticed it comes like when you buy the huge packs of. Oh yeah, it's in bad uh, horror movies. Right. Usually with them. Bad <laughs> horror movies for five dollars. Good, bad. What is wrong movies? with you? Well, I've bought many of those. I know, I have too. 
I think it's a there's been a few yeah. good ones. Mm-hmm. It all depends on how you look at bad, I guess. I mean, yeah. Night of Living Dead's in it, so they can't all be bad. Right, That's exactly. Right. That, that one has the last man on Earth in it too. So that original, uh, that first zombie they see in the uh, cemetery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, yeah. He went on and made an, another movie about a zombie called Flesh Eater. Right. It's where he played the same type of zombie in that. Okay. There you go. You Barbara. <laughs> <laughs> Barbara. Yes, the brother. The brother was a he was an ass. And you, you knew true. you couldn't trust him. He was wearing driving gloves. <laughs> who does that? Right. Right. He wasn't, he wasn't driving a sports car and he wasn't driving a caddy. He wasn't driving Miss Daisy. He was driving that damn movie to the ground. Mm. <laughs> he had to die. Oh, he had to die to save the movie. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely does set the tone pretty quick. <laughs> well, he does. And I, it's for when you move forward from that movie into the, uh, what is it, the next one was Day of the Dead? Dawn, of the, Dawn Dead. of the Dead. Okay, and that's God the mall. And that, so, that thing was out of control. I oh, mean, yeah. All over the, straight across the board. I mean, it's because it was color. It was pretty awesome. Well, I mean, it was yeah, racist. at the time. It was the well, glorious. Mm-hmm. But that's something else. And they too. had like Bubba. Originally, the, for the original Night of the Living Dead gets flack for that, too. And people try no, to make I'm it so, like, that revolutionary because it that's showed right. the difference yeah, in the color of it. It's Bob. I messed up. <laughs> that's the day of the dead. I digress. I don't know my movies. Bub. Bub? That's, Bob. That's, that's Day of the Dead, where they raise a zombie in the I know. cancel the phone. God. It's the third movie. <laughs> Hate you all. What, what Steve was trying to say. <laughs> and that emo whiner decided to end it all and, you know, made everybody else's choice for him, too. George Merrill? No, that <laughs> asshole in the movie that lowered the platform. Yeah. Him, yeah. No, it's. That's where mm-hmm. the emo thing started. Somebody watched that and got an idea. Mm. Like, I like crappy music. <laughs> and, and tight pants. <laughs> oh, oh, exactly. That scene. I'm depressed. Are we still talking day? Are I don't know. Here? I'm pretty sure they are. I digress. They, that's when they they had the zombie farm basically out in those tunnels. Right. That's, that's what, what we were, we're talking, talking about. about. Yeah. Okay. Although here's a fun little side fact for Day of the Dead. Zombies are real. Well, there mm-hmm. you go. Um, <laughs> towards the end of it, there's a group that look like punk rockers that are all zombies in there. Evidently, mm. they played a bar near where they were shooting for a long time and also worked for the craft service for the Day of the Dead group. So the last day of it, when they needed all the zombies, they just had them come in and do extra makeup on them. So they are, like, literally the band that was, like, playing the bar every week with them. <laughs> they got to come in and do that last scene. Their acting was terrible. Well, that's because they're punk rockers. Exactly. They're not zombies. <laughs> Return of the Living Dead. Oh my gosh. Fire Return. That's, that's unfortunately not, <laughs> not a Romero. No, it's not. That was funny. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, that's the punk rocker. It's a, it's a comedy one. It doesn't connect to the others at all. Yeah. Although but, that one's where uh, Brains came from. Yeah. Tar Man? Unfortunately. <laughs> Tar Man. Now that is freaking crazy. That's Tar awesome. Man's is a runner. He's a, he's a track runner. They, it's such mm-hmm. a real person in that whole. It, man, it's so creepy. Skinny as all hell. Yeah, man. Yeah. He was a triathlon, like runner. Anyway, that doesn't have anything to do with what we were talking about. The zombies, sort of. Uh, yeah, but yeah, we're trying to kind of all over trying the board, to focus man. on Romero's zombies. Oh god, all over the board. Well, that's what we were talking about. <laughs> that was based off Romero's zombies. That's true. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was what it was. It came from a meteor. 
Yeah. It's the same kind of Trioxin. Trioxin. Yeah. Trio- no, you're right. There was a chemical. Mm-hmm. Well, they both uh, worked on that first movie. The director who did uh, the other ones. The Night of the Living Dead 2. Right. Return mm-hmm. of the Night of the Living Dead. Those were ridiculous. Return of the Night of the Living Dead 3. <laughs> that was the worst. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, was that was a seat all of that. <laughs> of course. Oh, that, that was, was bad. That was bad. Worse. <laughs> well, I even uh, seen man. Zombie 5 where they had birds. We were, it was not bad. <laughs> we were trying to, like, limit the Night scope. And he's the one who's like... And the farmhouse had... Basically, a remake in the early '80s. Oh yeah, no, and it wasn't bad. It had, that, it had that uh, that chick. She yeah, kind of like the lead character. That, but she that one chick from that one movie. She learned real quick. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that, uh, she was a badass. Yeah. Started blowing them away and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that wasn't a bad movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we've completely strayed. Uh, so zombies, damn it, man! It's Deadpool, he's a bad influence. So basically, the don't idea read Deadpool, is, kids. Don't eat Jimmy Chungus. Night of the Living Dead starts, and it's just the initial night of it. It gains some popularity because of the African American character who's shot at the end by hillbillies. So they thought it was a racist kind of thing. Reality is, of course, it was actually just that was the actor they had. He didn't originally mean it to be any racist kind of thing, but it worked well for his film. The second film, Dawn of the Dead, is about like society kind of breaking down, and we start seeing zombies are supposedly acting on their lives that they that they're remembering what's yeah. important to them. We do have the pie fight, Day of the Dead, where we we have the last group that's actually trying to research how to stop zombies, and we see the people just giving up because it's done, we're over, we've lost, um, and we see the doctor who's got his uh, zombie Doctor bud. who? <laughs> Son of a bitch. No. <laughs> bud, who has, like, retained a good deal of who he used to be, enough so that he can remember to answer the phone. It even actually has a gun and was able to shoot it at one point towards the end when things got bad. He didn't shoot it right. But then we get to Land of the Dead, where we have the first, like, almost sentient zombie with Big Daddy who remembers like, his whole life kind of as a gas station attendant, who begins following the, what was it, the destroying vehicle called? Dead, oh, Reck- Dead Reckoning. Dead Reckoning. Yeah. Back to Dead this huge city. Or the last city. But um, once we get into Diary of the Dead and Survival of the Dead, things go way off the track. And I don't know if it's that he has a budget or his vision gets lost or what. But Diary was supposed to be returning to Night of the Living Dead, and it feels like it was kind of a failure in that regard. I don't know if you guys saw that one or not. Yeah. Yeah. He also also did Island of the Dead. Island of the Dead (laughs) is a video game. No. Mm-hmm. There's, there's, there's two of those actually. He also did Island uh, of the Dead yeah. straight to video. It was like, ah, I don't think I saw Island of the Dead. <laughs> yeah. well, you're not missing much. From, from <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Huh. They're not. They're not good. They're not considered part of the regular trail or one of the regular movies. And George A. Romero did it though. Yeah, it doesn't matter. He also did a bunch of movies for uh, what's that TV show, The Dark Side. I will come over there. It doesn't oh. doesn't matter. He <laughs> read a lot of things for Goosebumps. Just because I can't see you doesn't mean. Did he? He's got to through the cracks <laughs> of the window. There you go. He actually said that was the the most money he ever made was writing stuff for Goosebumps that never got done. That's crazy. Yeah. So, it's actually that he he quit doing stuff for Goosebumps so he could actually direct something again because he was making more money doing that than he ever did anything else did any of it ever get published a few of them did for the tv side of it 
Huh. But um, not not very many. So. Yeah. Nah, I don't know. He he he's had his hand as much of other things too. But as far as like, Good I think job, where he yeah. finally lost track was just after. What hand? Which is what's the fourth one with Big Daddy? Land. After Land, I think is where things got askew. There was not Land. Land Land of the Dead. Nothing about that at all. (laughs) Man, that's gonna be his book. Right. (laughs) 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 Well, there was a limited comic series. Yeah, that that was what I was trying to get to. Okay. And I'm afraid this next batch of Marvel Zombie Romero Marvel Zombie book is gonna be like that too. It's called Empire, right? What is it? Empire of the Dead. Yeah, Empire of the Dead. Which I, I didn't read the whole series. Well, I read pieces a of twist it. On it though, vampires. Yeah, but isn't everybody different. doing that stuff? No, Not Romero. There's a couple others. I'm pretty sure if Romero's involved, they won't shine. This is this no. is a uh, new territory for him, isn't it? Well, for as far as I know, he's never crossed zombies with any other type of monster. Not that I'm aware of, no. But that, that other zombie comic book in there, he fallen had him like form themselves an army, and yeah. so he had like. These new younger punk type zombies, and you had vampires for civil war. It was entirely different. Like that thing was a mess. One of them was riding a giant zombie elephant. But, <laughs> That's awesome. It, it, you would think so until you're reading it, and you got the girlfriend who's not a zombie who's like, "I still love you, zombie's boyfriend. Let's go knock it out in the park." Yeah, right. Knock what out? Warm bodies. You know what, I'm talking about. what do you mean? You know what I'm a warm about. heart. You read between the lines, sir. I like how you put a wall okay, in between Okay, back to them. Deadpool. Night of Living Deadpool, good stuff. All right, Rob, score book, go. Uh, I'd say it's a solid two and a half. Carrots, go. Two. What was that? Two. All right, Mr. Mike? Poo. One and a half. Oh, man, that's terrible. Ross, go. Cookie. Two. Jay? Negative five. Wow. You can't wow. give negative scores, Jay. You don't make up your own scores. That's the, no, that's his. Okay. Do one if you want. Or I like how you went from negative five to two. <laughs> Keep in mind, folks at home, only three of us read this book. You can guess which three in a minute. Yeah, but I, I know I had to have seen this because Deadpool, well, no, maybe that was that cover. No, it was the other cover. No, the other cover. No, the other, yeah. Was Headpool, <laughs> was, right. was Headpool in it at all? No. Yeah. Okay, mm. and then a one. <laughs> Man, <laughs> you can't change your score after we get past it. <laughs> Curtis, God. Craig, go. What's the rating system again? One through five. One through five? Yes. I'd give it a solid three. Okay. <laughs> oh, man. Burrito. Uh, I'll give it three also. Uh, as far as books are concerned, it was pretty fun. And, like, I'll give you, you don't have the extra heads or the extra voices in its head, which is kind of something you miss if you're used to reading Deadpool with multiple voices. But at the same time, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a genre thing. So, I don't know. I'm interested to see what book two does. And a four-part series... Yeah, it's not like you're losing a lot if you read the stupid thing. Anyway, um, okay, enough about zombies. No! Even though it didn't really get anywhere no. with that. Um, Steve is going to be so disappointed now. Which piece? This, Steve is going to be so disappointed now. No, I don't he has no reason to do the podcast anymore. Zombies are over. <laughs> well, that's it. Yeah, I told you to do that book at the end. <laughs> We're just moving past him. Yeah, it's moving. It's fine. It's fine. I don't know. Like, there's werewolves coming up. I think everybody should love werewolves. <laughs> okay, so let's move on to Justice League of America number 11. Oh, my God. Ah, <laughs> It's got a cool cover. He made this house. Connects into Forever right Evil. Down. Which is also cool, right? What is? The connects into Forever Evil, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that is awesome. I think I've <laughs> discovered our Judas. Stop there. There is a few... Stop leading questions. 
This was actually a really good issue. Um, there's a few things I want to ask you guys' opinion of when I get to them. So, those of you who read the other Justice League of American books, we'll see if we can pick your brains on it. But, um, we start off with a little bit of a catch-up, which is nice, because DC doesn't usually do that. But, um, for the catch-up for people at home, basically, Stargirl and Martian Manhunter are the only ones who have escaped whatever this prison is that the rest of the Justice League's in. Martian Manhunter believes that the prison is Firestorm. But, they're the only two that have made it out. However, Stargirl and Martian Manhunter's powers have kind of become linked, and Stargirl seems to have some of Martian Manhunter's powers. Like, he doesn't seem to be able to fly, he's not nearly as strong, his invulnerability is not quite what it normally would be. He can't seem to go intangible. I'm not sure. Yeah, there's a point where yep. he tries to do that and he can't. Wasn't that last issue? No, it's in this one. Yeah, I think... I think he's just having a hard time focusing. I want to say when they got out of Firestorm, like, they they know it's Firestorm now, and when they get out, I want to say he's linked to her, and when he separates, he can't seem to separate Fully. himself from Firestorm and from her, so parts of him are left in both places. It's quite possible. I, I have a theory on that. I'll get to that later. later. <laughs> But um, we actually begin the story with Martian Manhunter fighting against Clayface. And he's actually having a hard time at it, because he can't seem to phase away from Clayface's shape-changing. And uh, prior to the story, Stargirl and Martian Manhunter have kind of gone their own ways. Stargirl's decided she's going to go back to Los Angeles to save her family. And Martian Manhunter is determined to find where Starfire's at to free the rest of the Justice League. Firestorm's at? Yes. Did I not say Firestorm? It's all right. You're okay. All right. <laughs> Anyhow, so um, as he's kind of getting beaten down and thinks he's going to choke to death, Stargirl shows back up and blasts Clayface with the Cosmic Rod and manages to get him beaten down at least far enough for both uh, Martian Manhunter and her to escape. Which is a pretty cool fight, but it, it was pretty fast. And um, she winds up taking off with the Martian Manhunter. And we reveal there that they must be in Gotham because we have Man Bat there. And then we also reveal that. I really mess up on his name properly. Which one? Despero? Despero. Despero is following them. He's at least monitoring what they're doing, which is kind of interesting as well. What's kind of crazy about that, too, is the last time we saw Despero was in that Justice League where Martian Manhunter basically, like, paralyzed him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he basically said he was taking his mind, and yet here he is. So, but um, Stargirl's kind of pulling him along, and uh, we've, we get kind of an oddball picture at the bottom of this page while, uh, while Stargirl's helping Martian Manhunter to fly, and he's basically trying to talk her into saving the Justice League, and she's still determined to go home. We have, like, a final pal uh, picture on the page with this, like, blonde kid that's crying. And we've been seeing her flashbacks. Something happened when she first kind of starts becoming Stargirl, where she had to go and deal with a hostage situation. And it seems like this might come back to that, because this looks like the little brother that we only saw in one panel in the previous books. 
Now, um, as we come into the next page, we actually get around to Denver, Colorado, <laughs> where we see the cities being destroyed, mm. and we have some um, some refugees running out of the city. And she talks about seeing a man in black and red with a lightning bolt on his chest, and we have for a second a flash of Shazam before she starts talking about there being a giant robot that's trashing the city. Yeah, but it's a Shazam with an all-blacked-out face. So it's not like a full-on Shazam shot. It's like he's costumed with a blacked-out version of him. Yeah, so it could be anybody. I assume, it, you know, at first it could have been Black Adam. Of course, we don't know where that fight took place with him and Superman, as far as I know. I don't no, think it was in Colorado. Think it's Black Adam. Yeah, no, it can't be Black Adam. The color Evil Shazam. Color. I would say possible. But um, we have this uh, giant robot attacking the city, and Stargirl basically agrees to help because she sees people getting hurt. Martian Manhunter uses his powers to kind of help the crowd to uh, calm down. Yeah, calm down yeah. and kind of evacuate the city. Um, that was. Uh... It was kind of interesting because so far Martian Manhunter, we've mostly seen him be kind of like support, angry and violent towards people. It seems like, mm -hmm. or towards like enemies and stuff. And this is the first time we've seen him be more like, I'm helping people. I'm not just like attacking the enemy type thing. That's true. He's always pretty cold. Well, um, you know, he made the mention earlier in one of the previous books that he's possibly stronger than Superman. But what does he do with his strength? And now he doesn't have that strength. Mm -hmm. So. This this Martian Manhunter in this book reminded me more of like the Martian Manhunter from the cartoon, more of like the Justice League cartoon. I can see him. Um, there was another interesting thing, and we'll go back to this a little bit later. But as um, they're trying to deal with the giant robot, um, she sees a car that's embedded inside of a building. It's a very particular type of car. We'll get back to that later. <laughs> My theory. A DeLorean? Yes. Why not? No, it's not it's DeLorean. It's not DeLorean. Oh. But, um, we're still kind of having some some flashback things, and she's talking about being a hero, there's things that you see that you can't unsee. And one of the things that gets stuck in her mind is this lady who's running from the carnage with her missing shoe, just running through the city. We also get kind of flashbacks to her going back home, um, presumably after the hostage situation, to find her front door open. They're being really sneaky about what they're showing us happened at the house. But um, to defeat the, the giant robot in the end, she remembers how badly her mother was hurt when her Achilles tendon was damaged. And so she decides to use the cosmic rod to blow up the thing's Achilles tendon, pretty much, which causes it to collapse and have a pretty spectacular explosion. However, before that, we see Despro's face superimposed on whoever the pilot is. The pilot of the robot. And his lines is, wonderful, absolutely glorious, they have no idea! So, like, whatever he's doing, he thinks he's got one up on the Manhunter and Stargirl. But the crater that it leaves in Denver also looks kind of familiar to something else. We'll go back to that here in a minute. <laughs> but from there, Stargirl and um, Martian Manhunter kind of start helping the people of towns, adding out supplies and stuff, and 
you know, the Manhunter is basically like, oh, that means you're going to help me find the Justice League. And she's like, no, I just can't leave these people, you know, in trouble. And so, basically, like, she's only really helping the Martian Manhunter still because it's on the way to California, or to Los Angeles. And as they leave, we still see that Despero is following her. And he kind of has another line that's pretty crazy in here. They're resisting. They're breaking away from the template. And more direct action is required. And from there, he winds up attacking both Martian Manhunter and Stargirl. He kind of comes down from the sky and just smashes into Martian Manhunter and sends him flying against the mountain. And then attacks Stargirl and winds up wrestling with her and taking her under the, the water. Presumably somewhere in the high country out in, uh, in Colorado. And she talks about thinking she's going to die. She's thinking she's drowning and how she's not seeing her life flash before her eyes. And so she wonders this time if that means she's really going to die. And that's kind of the cliffhanger they end this with. Now. It's a good place to stop. She's <laughs> drowning. Why not? <laughs> cliffhanger is good. Yeah, there we go. The, the things I want to ask you guys about, if you've, if you've been going through them, is uh, whenever we visited some of these private hells as we went through the stories. When we went to Shazam's private hell, he talked about there being a giant robot that was just here that they missed before he just haphazardly throws a car into the side of a building, which actually looks an awful lot like the car that's jammed in the side of the building here. Oh, yeah. That they just show us for no reason. We never see the robot in his story. But along with that, whenever it actually goes down and explodes the explosion and the crater that it leaves looks almost exactly like Baz's explosion and crater that he leaves in his own hell mm. I kind of wonder if they're not out of this if prison at all because yeah. we already saw Je um, John Jones the Martian Manhunter fall into his own hell and be caught by his duplicate we've never seen Stargirl's prison I wonder if she escaped into her own prison Oh, maybe. And that she's still that. caught just like the rest of them. That's why she's having like all the crazy flashbacks and stuff. Yeah. And maybe that's why John doesn't have the powers that he should have, is that he's kind of trapped in her prison. That makes sense. So I kind of that's what I kind of wonder, is if they're not out of it at all yet. If it's like a big trick, if they've made them think that they've escaped. And... Yeah. The only thing I don't understand is why Desperero is still there with them. I don't know if he's in there with them to kind of be a warden or, or what. I almost, if it's either a mental thing or if it's part of Martian Manhunters. Yeah, because he might have been riding around inside of Manhunter's mind. Mm -hmm. But that's kind of what I think. I don't know if any of you guys I could see that. had any opinions on that. Makes I sense. agree. Well, it makes more sense than anything. But I haven't read the uh, series, so for me it's kind of... Mm -hmm. Might have to show you that a little later. Uh, they have with the uh, with Green Lantern is, you know, it's it's the Baz one. So everybody's on the streets just like, oh, you're a terrorist. You're just waiting to kill us. And so he lets his energy go loose and just explodes and destroys these city, these these towns, and kills all these people on the ground and leaves this kind of crater around him. And it's just like, this is what you wanted. Yeah. Well, that way it sounds like there's a lot of Easter eggs for people who've been following the series, and that sounds a lot better for. For me, I just see a bunch of random, weird cameos of other villains and what all that don't really do anything. Like, like uh, there's a panel of Man Bat. He doesn't do anything. There's a panel of uh, the uh, Dark 
dark uh, Shazam, and he doesn't seem to do anything connected to the story. And yeah, that's telling this telling like him that. backstory on something else that happened. So the other thing I'm curious about is I almost wonder if some of them aren't trapped, mm. if, if they're just being having mind games played with them. So I, was, I wonder if Shazam actually was in the city and just like destroying crap and not realizing that it. That's what I was thinking. That's also a possibility. And then maybe the same with Baslin. Well, the explosion that they see from the robot and the explosion when Baz blows himself up are both really, really similar. Like when he makes the explosion happen in his own hell, uh, the way they look is very, very similar. Even the like the crater it leaves is very similar. Now, it could just be artist rendition or whatever, but as far as the car is concerned, yeah, it looks just like the same car. And the link between the Shazam stories, oh, there's just a robot here, and he's all excited because he just crashed the robot. And now here's another giant robot, and Stargirl's defeating it. So it's like the pieces touch each other, so I don't think these hells are so independent from each other. I think pieces trail over between A and B, and I don't think she's out either. I think what she's seeing is the city that Shazam's constantly been destroying, because for him, everything he destroys just rebuilds all of a sudden, and he's just back to normal. So when, whenever Despero says something about the template, it makes me think that there's only so many different things that can happen, and at some point everything overlaps, because they're all in the same place. But at this point, I mean, we've seen them all kind of come close to each other. I mean, we saw Diana's hell, we saw Superman's. Just, like, everybody's there, at least near each other. But as far as the overlap's concerned, this is, the, I mean, one of the first times we've really seen big overlap between the things. But Shazam seems to be the only one having a great time. Well, yeah, I mean, he's a kid, though. Because he's a kid, know, like, yeah. Yeah, this isn't, this isn't the same. He doesn't have any life horrors to draw from, so... I think it's more of a keeping them busy type thing. Probably. It is. You guys can't figure out what to do because... You're so busy taking care of other problems yeah. or <laughs> smashing things. I, yeah. I also kind of wonder, we've never really seen Stargirl's origin in the New 52. I kind of think when she gets home, her family's dead. I, I kind of think that the the son, the, the the little brother, and probably the parents are both gone. Whoever this guy was targeting superheroes in that city mm. that called her out, I think he went to their home and killed them. I could see that, and that's actually what I was thinking too. Yeah, so I I kind of wonder if that's the other thing is like somehow she that's how she had resistance in the beginning is that she's kind of like not very attached to reality maybe to begin with, mm. or she's hid this tragedy even for herself. So. I don't know about that because there's a point in Just the American like number three, with when she first wants to go out and do things, she's on the phone talking to her mom, mm. and like everything's okay, and then Amanda Waller comes in and is like, "You need to stay here and make Smiley on TV," and she's like, "I don't want to do that, Amanda." She's talking to somebody from back home, isn't it her mom? Yeah, I think it was her mom. I almost wonder though, maybe it's just her being her crazy. Maybe she's just nuts. Maybe the little brother might be gone too. I think it'd be funny if it was the little brother, not because of that, but because it'd be like Jeff Johns reversed his... His roles? His life, yeah. Well, it's possible. I mean, he's not really running it now, per se. No, but, but he did. I'm yeah. sure he had... Who knows how in. much of the timeline is still in place. And, of course, you know, we've had times already where they've made little mistakes that they're trying to create, or correct, that they just don't want to call attention to, so... No, I don't think it's the whole family. I think I go more along the lines with Ross's thing, and it's kind of what we were talking about earlier. The chances are, based on creation for him, I mean, the Stargirl is supposed to be based on his sister, 
and his sister passed away. So I think story wise, he's reversed it for the comic book sake. I don't, and I don't know if that's all him or if that's just whatever. But if he's if he's got a backstory for it, chances are some notes somewhere that says that's the backstory. Don't screw it up. Mm. You know. Well, it makes sense for the off panel of just the the child, the kid crying. crying. Yeah. Well, yeah, and how she doesn't seem to remember what happened at the house. But you know she needs to get there. Like all that stuff leads to the idea that the brother's been killed or the brother's dead. I don't think the whole family. I I think more likely the brother. It's hard to say. I I think like the lady running because there's a chance that could be like her mom. Possibly the one without the shoe. Achilles heel. Yeah. No. All all kind of fits together a little bit. On a slightly less, I guess, like morbid note. I thought it was funny that the villains that they have in here. You have Clayface, which is like the intangibility and shape shifting. Then you have Despero, which is like the mental, mental and super strength of Martian Manhunter. Yeah, huh. so they are both kind of elements of, of the Manhunter. That's true. Well, that's interesting. The elements of his own powers. There was another thing that was bugging me a lot, um, and it's not in this book, so I'm sorry. But the two previous issues, as soon as she busts out of her. Uh, out of the hell, supposedly, the cosmic rod's gone. And so for oh, really? two issues, she has no cosmic rod. And, they all and as soon as she shows up in this, she's got the rod back. Hmm. She was just flying, but she was flying with, like, the Byron Pyrus from the Manhunter, supposedly. Yeah, that's crazy. Or the belt or whatever, but the, the rod was gone. Hmm. So it's kind of interesting. We'll have to see. Hopefully it's not just we're building up more than it is, but... Oh, it's great. I like when you can end the book and you have questions and you can have your own conspiracy theories and that's that's why I love issues rather than just getting a trade because I love to be able to think well, what's next what's next what's next <laughs> you're weird Rob maybe <laughs> but I mean it's the same thing I thought during the whole Joker thing the death of the family thing was all of the Ooh, this could be, this could be, this could be, you know, that we had before the issues were done. I'd... Well, yeah, I'm mostly joking about that. That's the only thing you get from individuals <laughs> you don't get from trades. Yeah, I think there's elements of both that are good. It all depends. Whatever, Ross, I need to get to the end of it. It's like when I would power watch a TV series, get to the end, and there's no second <laughs> season, and I'm like, damn it! Yeah, and then I break the CDs, and there's no reason to break them. It's not their fault. Man, I, I'm the one that spent $30 on that dang thing. Yeah, that's, kind of, that's how I think a lot of people look at it, too. They can buy the comic and have to wait and go through that tension, or they can like binge read the entire thing in one sitting. And I, I, for one, like the tension. Depends on what it is. Yeah, I agree. I'm the same way. I like to support the artist, too. Jerks. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> If it's, uh, if it's uh, Jonathan Hickman, it's probably better to read a big the, the chunk. Yeah. That depends on what it is. I agree with that. <laughs> like that Avengers stuff, right. that needs to be read all in one chunk, the beginning of it. I think if you spend a lot of time trying to make hooks and stuff for people to come back and leaving them, then it's probably better to be read as like well, you, individual issues. But, but you need people need to purchase the issues to get the trades. Exactly. Right. If you don't Otherwise purchase the no issues, trades. the trades don't come anyway. Yeah, exactly. So. But but no, I I get what you're saying. Anyways, mm. regardless, um, yeah, good I'm job. It's good stuff. Uh, Curtis scorebook? No. Yes. One and a half. Man, how yeah. is that? Do you, are you reading Justice League America? Yeah. Oh. Wow. I didn't like last issue. Was probably a one for me. 
Really? Yeah. Wow. Harsh. Well, we're we're gaining one and a half. It's it's caring about the characters, and I don't care about these characters. That's understandable. I, I like them, but I I can see where. I mean, Martian Manhunter pre fifty two. Mm hmm. He was a he was a good guy. I want to say B A, but I can't. Okay. <laughs> so. <laughs> but I just don't care about him now. I don't. I agree. I didn't. I don't like him as much as New Fifty Two, but I think he's getting better. Yeah. I, I I just think he's way too powerful right now. People, there's too many people that are afraid of him. I'll give you that most of his light is shined in a, a book none of us are reading. Well, maybe Rob was reading. Oh, I read it at the beginning. I mean, the whole Stormwatch thing. Yeah, that's the only thing to bring you to that book, and he doesn't help keep you there. No, and I was reading that, too. Oh, yeah, that's right. You did start that one, too. Yeah, yeah I, I, all three of us are in the same place, because now none of us read it. Had they kept the Mecha Dolphins in there more, <laughs> that book would have done better. Getting rid of the cookie angle. Bad idea. That's something else <laughs> also about Martian Manhunter. Oh, yeah. yes. Because he used to like cookies. I saw the blank expression on your face because it's nothing to do with the dolphins Yeah, I was all. like, robot dolphins don't make cookies, okay? They just make death. <laughs> they might. <laughs> they just come to the land and make death. They make death. He still does. Not usually. Death cookies. That would be fantastic. <laughs> Maybe Ooh. afterwards they can dispense cookies. Still likes cookies? Maybe. Except the, the only problem is... Oh, that's totally... Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> JLA is entirely different. <laughs> Damn it, Mike. <laughs> the only problem is it would be hard to understand them as they use their squeak language to tell you about the cookies and then they get frustrated and kill you. Mm. <laughs> See? Awesome. <laughs> Anyhow, the book would be better with sea dolphins. Anyways, Mike, what did you think of the uh, quality of this book? Uh, I'll give it a two. Okay. I kind of think the... Uh, the, I mean, I did want a little focus on Stargirl and you know, some of the characters, but it's gone on a bit long. Mm. We'll have to see. I, I think the hard thing about it is that with Justice League and Forever Evil, you almost feel like you had two months, and then Justice League of America, it's really the only one that's focusing on this story, and so it feels like it's a long time between issues. But it has been, what, almost almost a whole arc of Stargirl now, right? Pretty I close. think the whole thing, I think they kind of tricked you with it, because I think the whole thing's going to be Martian Manhunter and Stargirl. That's possible. Alright, Ross, what'd you think? I'd probably give it a three. Thought it was okay. Well, there you go. Yeah. Mr. J? Well, for not being an avid Justice League America reader, um, I thought it was pretty good. I'd give it like a 3.5. I mean... Okay. I thought they did, I don't know, from my point, I haven't been really watching Stargirl or Martian Manhunter lately, I thought. Not reading it. Yeah, felt pretty good, though. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Craig? Uh, I'm going to give it a two because, uh, well, it's not a good jumping on spot for somebody who hasn't read the previous one. might be higher if you have been following the storyline. It is, it is a little rough. Jumping in just to this issue, even with the catch-up page, it's not quite yeah. good enough. I wasn't going to ask right before, how did Martian Manhunter and Stargirl Girl get connected and everything, but after reading a little bit more, it slowly got there, but I was still kind of guessing. Well, when a boy and a girl like each other. <laughs> they slowly become one, and then the boy lives inside her mind. Well, that's Until the his incessant shouting causes her to throw him the... out. Classic storytelling uh, technique. Boy meets girl. Boy wants to get in girl's mind. 
boy winds up sharing her body. Yeah. Girl Walking around with it a little bit. Side. Girl throws energy blasts at the villains. Next thing know. you know, he's paying alimony and child support. Mm. No, <laughs> dang it. He's a shapeshifter. She'll never find him. That's true. Yeah. That's true. That makes him a deadbeat. That's, that's why comics are better. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> well, he's got a good point there. I mean, he can't yeah. change the way he looks, so the whole collecting money thing is... It's going to be tough. He can live in space, so whatever. <laughs> Perfect. <sighs> All right, so I'll give it a, uh, a two and a half. I uh, no, I give it a three. Um, I I like it. I don't know. I I like the Stargirl character. So maybe that's part of the problem for me. Um, March Manhunter, like I said, hasn't <laughs> fixed it. But I I don't know. I as far as books are concerned, like so far I like what they're doing. But I like a lot of what Forever Evil has going on. So I like that it's a problem that you like it. <laughs> well, you know, she's young, and I really she's Women. it's the age. Oh, okay, that it's kind the of age. problem. It's not. I thought you meant it was a problem that you like Justice League of America. No, no. I mean, if, I, it, if I, you were talking I, about the Zatanna or the or, or any of the Birds of Prey, even the Asian one, Scarlet <laughs> Face. You're just I, making I it, it weird, was, man. Wow. <laughs> Can we just move on? I, I thought Rob, it was your score, go. I actually think it was pretty good. I, I give it a three, and I I know a lot of it's because of my conspiracy theory for it. So if I'm right, it'll be fantastic. <laughs> but we'll see. Um... But yeah, I actually really liked it. It'll be neat to see where they go from here. So, okay, so I, I did this for Deadpool because we were completely lost. Um, so Deadpool, I think, averaged out like around a two and a half. I think is an average, pretty close. Mm, so say we all, all right. And so this guy averaged around a two, three. two and a half, a three. Yeah, I guess dad three because there was. Yeah, I'll give it a three. As as a group score, <laughs> the bottom half. Versus the top half, Jay had a three and a half. So you're throwing everybody threes. else's out and giving it yours? My count counts as three people. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a group score. We're giving it a nine. <laughs> well, because you had what? One, what was your two and a half? Zero one. now. Is it one? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you can't remove yourself from the situation. Rewind. So, I'd like so to two, remove myself so from two, the situation. Two a, how's the 75 go? Point seven five. Three quarters? Two, th- two and three quarters. Does that work better for I the group? I don't care. Yeah. I just think it's funny. So say we all, Curtis? Duh. Play on, player. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, can't, I can't see your face to read your pattern. I know. There you are. It's a Yay. <laughs> that's, that's, that's not very nice. That's not very nice. Okay, let's move on to Cursed. What was that? Curse. Well, don't be so down. Yeah. Well, it's good. It's fine. It's not zombies. He can't be happy about that. These are werewolves. Well, let's move on to Curse. It's not good. It's not zombies. <laughs> well, I don't have the same love for zomb- or for werewolves that everyone else does, so. What's wrong with you? I, yeah, I'm telling you. They're a man's best friend. <laughs> Wait. Totally no, it's you. man's best friend with himself. Second. Hey, that's a because he's part dog. Oh, he's part I see. dog. Give it a five. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that look on your face again. No, exactly no, what I he was saying. No idea. Not that way, say. Rob. Not that way. Right. I was like, man, Steve with the underage girls, and now man's best friend with himself. What the heck's going on with the show? Hey, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we should move on to the to the. Now we know we can't bring Jay ever again. He could play fetch with himself. Find <laughs> that weird book you had. You were talking about the our love is real. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. That's a different. That's what I was a little worried about a, for a minute. I like jewels and yeah. rubies. It's not. Yeah, that's a different. 
It's a different story. Yeah. Just stay away if you can. <laughs> our, our love is real is not is not for everyone. No. No. Okay. Yeah. So um, we actually start this one, and it, it does a little bit of time traveling, which it doesn't explain very well, I don't think. But um, we begin with this African-American guy in a workshop, and it looks like he's in some kind of a, a basement or cellar. And you have a kind of a raggedy voice in the background say that it's cold. And he kind of turns back and he's very, like, cold-hearted to the person that's that he's talking to. And, like, yeah. he kind of explains why it's that way. But I get the feeling that he's going to torture this guy for some reason. Oh, yeah. And I don't know why. But, you know, we go to the next page and we see that he's got, like, a, a container of gasoline. And then he's talking to somebody who's chained up on the floor. And the guy is still, like, kind of giving him lip, talking about how he smells him like prey, and he can smell, like, the rot on his kid. So you smell his kid dying. And while he's tied up, chained up on the floor, he's surrounded by what? Bear traps. Loads of bear traps. You in the back there, sir? What? Bear traps. I'm going to say that probably got picked up that time. That's good. A crap ton of bear traps. There you go. That's what I like. And uh, the guy's still giving him heart, giving him grief. You know, and he's definitely in no position to be <laughs> talking the kind of junk he is. But uh, the guy kind of starts pouring the gasoline on him. Yeah, he's basically so just pouring it around the room, too. I don't know, it's kind of crazy. It's really pretty creepy, actually. But um, the, guy's, the guy's talking about how it's only humans that seem to prone to protect the weak. And it seems to be such an off thing for a group to do because no other animal species does such a thing and that in doing so they're really guaranteeing that the world will only be inherited by the meek yeah he talks about how in, in that normal prey or, or survival of the fittest is how everything else works in life except for in humans because we try to take care of the weak or try to help the weak or whatever but yeah he definitely looks down on us and you get this one shot with his where he's gritting his teeth and you can see he's got like uh, canines his spiky like Animal teeth. <laughs> you saw him. You know what I'm talking about. I know. About. I, I was gonna say he's got dogs in his mouth, but mm -hmm. <laughs> dogs in his mouth. I don't think that's not the right description. I don't think he's got canines. Hey, I'm like okay. There you go. Okay, I see what you see. I, I, I see what I said. It was a bad joke. That's why I didn't say it. All right. Hmm. Actually, I guess it was, I I missed this before, so it it does do good about telling you that it's time traveling. Yeah, it says... I missed the before when I read it the first time. But um, we kind of find out that the man that was in the basement torching this guy, he used to be a college athlete, and he has all kinds of trophies, and he has a, um, like a kind of specialized football ring. I'm not sure if it's supposed to be like a college ring or if it's supposed to be... It, it almost looks like it's supposed to be like a... Like a school ring. Like a school ring, yeah. So it... The best we can figure from what he has and what he's got in his trophy case is in college he was like he was like the guy in college as far as sports are concerned. Yeah, top dog. Yeah, and they make they do make a mention of him going in the draft also, but somewhere between A and B things went awry apparently. Yeah. One of his uh, one of his teammates wound up landing on his knee, and it just it ended his career. But um, from there we find out that his wife has evidently passed away. And there's this female police officer that's with him, who's evidently his sister-in-law. 
and he's having a hard time affording whatever kind of medical bills he needs to pay for his son. And she's already, I guess, tried to propose her taking custody of his son so that she could use the state's insurance to help. But, you know, he's definitely opposed to that. He doesn't want her to have his son. He doesn't want to give up his son as long as he doesn't have to. And that's a pretty powerful scene. It is. Because she's, she's looking for the best interest for the kid. Mm, yeah. But so, so was his dad. Right. Yeah, she kind of is, but she also comes across really... There's a word I would normally use. Grigland? Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I, I got that same feeling. Rhymes with rich, right? <clears throat> that's not the word we're talking about, but that one also works. <laughs> Good job, Greg. This one rhymes with hunt. It doesn't quite do it. Yeah. Like, our word was, you know, never mind. <laughs> rhymes with hunt? I wouldn't say it rhymes, but if you change a couple letters, then yes. <laughs> it does. What is one letter, actually? Does it rhyme? <laughs> I guess I never thought about singing it in a song. Do you song. even know what word we're talking about? I, I know what word it is, okay? I, I hear it every week. Tree? <laughs> yes. Dang it! Tree! Mm. Don't you mm. hunt trees? It's good stuff. The whole time, the whole reason we see the trophy case, just you're all aware... The only reason we see the trophy case is because he's deciding what to sell next. And the, 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 while he's talking to the police officer, the sister-in-law, she asks him how much more he thinks he can sell before nobody cares anymore. And he keeps refinancing his house. He keeps refinancing his again. house she's again, really, again She's a nice lady. Well, you can see that like she cares too, but the way she's going about things is not necessarily the right way. But at this point, apparently, at least from what we gather from the little bit we get to see of her, at first, she starts out real nice, and then she gets pretty nasty towards the end of it. And she's mostly like, I'm not going to let another member of my family die. So now her sister's gone. This is like the only connection she has anymore. And as far as the rest was concerned, yeah, they're kind of both in the right place, I think. But she definitely goes about the wrong way of, like, addressing the situation, I guess. Yeah. And what's hard to say is maybe there's something else in there. We don't know enough about her yet to know that. Yeah, it's kind of hard to see what the relationship is. Oh, yeah. Between between her and him and what happened to the, the wife. Right. So, But um, she gets a police dispatch call um, and has to kind of leave before they really get done talking. And it's to go out to a rather grisly murder scene out in the woods. And we, as the audience, can actually see this scene with a crazy like werewolf-like Wendigo thing chasing a guy in the woods. And ripping him up, and evidently, after devouring his insides, taking the rest of him up into a tree <laughs> to eat it. Oh, yeah. And then it, leave it there. It's pretty gruesome. Mm -hmm. But um, then we go back to, you know, family life here. And uh, we kind of get to see the sun for the first time. And he looks probably like it's chemo that we're going through, so some kind of cancer, I believe. Either that or he's got advanced telekinesis powers. Mm. Well, he looks kind of Professor X, okay? <laughs> Terrible. It's, that's not a good... Oh. Bad Rob. Bad. <laughs> I, I assume it's cancer, but they never say. They don't say what's wrong with them, but yeah, I think it's the same thing, too. Mm -hmm. um, but the father talks about how he can't stay, he's got to go do a little bit of work, and we kind of find out, I think before that, that he was looking into doing some bounty hunter work. Not really so much. Like at this point, we still believe he's going to his regular job, and he, that's basically what he's telling his sons. I gotta go out for a few hours for work. It won't be super long, just because it's only been a few hours. And he comes downstairs and he, and he tells the son that this this friend, the lady, is gonna be watching him, the girl with the dyed hair, whose name I can't remember now. 
Nora. Dora says that she'll be watching after him, so not to worry. He'll be home soon. And then when he goes downstairs, you see him packing things, and what we get to see in the bag is not things you take for a regular job. And then she questions him about it. And Are you talking question, about the chick that's a walking coloring book? Yes. But yeah. Yeah. I say die job, but you know, yeah. She's, she's got... She's got a couple of punk rock, man. That's all right. Nice tats. That's what I like. <laughs> anyway, and she questions him about the bag a little bit and tells him, I don't really want to be nosy. So he says, so don't. And she already knows that he doesn't work at the plant anymore because the plant's been closed. So whatever he's been doing for work has been a lie. And so he's been lying to the both of them. And she lets it go for the most part after he tells her what he's doing. Um, all these murders have been happening out in the woods. Apparently there's a heavy bounty for whatever's been doing it. And so he's decided to go out into the woods and hunt whatever's been killing these people. Uh, as he's going around there, he, he winds up finding a deer that's been ripped apart, much the same way. This is now out in the woods. Yeah, much the same way that we saw the other victim. And he, uh, he winds up like calling out for it, and then eventually giving up and starting to take off with his truck. Well, as he's heading down the road, something jumps out in front of him and he winds up hitting it full on with the front of his truck. And he smashes against the uh, steering wheel, and when he manages to recover and kind of looks up, he sees the, the white werewolf, like, howling into the window. And so he has this kind of, like, oh, shit. Holy crap. Kind of <laughs> yeah. As he uh, manages to get his rifle. And uh, he, you can kind of see that the werewolf's already got a fresh kill because he's holding somebody else's head in his hand. Oh, yeah. And when he sees... Uh, our main character here get out of the truck with his rifle. It takes off and dumps the head. And uh, as he's chasing it, he starts to go from werewolf to being far more human. And he manages to lose him in the woods for a moment and strikes out at him and manages to scratch him. Uh, enough so to break the chain on his ring, his, his collar ring, which gets lost out in the woods. Well, as it's trying to make its getaway, he fires at it with the rifle and manages to catch it in the ankle and winds up blowing its foot off. Pretty epic. And uh, that's where he winds up catching up with it. And at the bottom of the page, it says 30 days until the next full, uh, the next phase. So evidently it's sort of the phase of the moon. But um, the thing that he shot in the foot there, as it becomes more human, looks an awful lot like the thing he's got in his basement at the mm -hmm. beginning of the book. Oh yeah, the, the, the two things are very... It's the same dude. It's the same sure. dude, yeah. And I didn't pick it up until somebody else was reading it and I was looking over their shoulder. Mm -hmm. Oh really? I'm like, oh hey, that's that dude that he shot. Because you don't see his foot. <laughs> yeah, no. they hide it pretty well at the beginning where they have him like pinned down on his knees with the chains. So you don't see the foot, you don't see... So it could easily be another character and I think they kind of did that, I don't know, they make the glitch at the end, obviously. But yeah, as far as like setup is concerned... It's got some pretty hardcore moments in it, like as far as the 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 decapitated guy and the deer body. It's pretty it's pretty cool. Like book wise, I it's a four part series, so I'm not really sure like how far we're gonna go and depending on how their werewolves work. Uh next phase generally when you get cut by a werewolf like that and not killed, you become a werewolf. That's generally what the next step is. Yeah, it's either I didn't even think about that. How yeah. dare you for yeah, somebody that was so depressed just Mere moments ago, you sound very excited. I like blood and guts. <laughs> <laughs> I, either scratched or bitten 
usually transfers the curse. Generally speaking, yes. I've always thought it was bite. Yeah, but it just, it just depends on what lore. Yeah, bite. depending on no, he said depending on the werewolf. Yeah. Right. But I, I like, I, and I, I'm sorry if I'm wrong about this, so, but Blue I think it's Jeff Lemire. Or, I'm sorry, no, it's not. What are you talking about? Yeah. Colin Lemire. Isn't he the one who's doing the artwork for, like, the werewolf scenes? No, it's Riley Rosmo. Is it? Yeah. And who's writing it? Uh, Tim Daniel and Tom Morisi. Mm. By the way, I, I actually really like the idea that when we go to that style where it's just the werewolf doing his slaughter that we change complete art styles and then we have the more scratchy kind of harder core artists do those scenes definitely Rossmore. yeah yeah this the style for it is entirely different than the uh, scenes at the house it's a lot like bedlam mm. mm-hmm. yeah that's true yeah maybe that's why it seemed uh, rough to me between scenes i would have liked a little really more did. transition from one scene to the next it seemed to jump yeah. From one thing to the next, one uh, one minute he's there, and we got no no uh, transition to him, uh, you know, hunting the thing, to him quitting and driving off, and maybe if uh, and I would have liked there to be more expression in their faces too. They always seem to have a flat, blank, blank face. Oh, well, that face shot when he sees the yeah. werewolf, they do. It but it is just the first one, so mm-hmm. get close up on it, and it seems pretty. Yeah. So maybe that'll improve next time around. But. Yeah, I'm more familiar with the artist that did the werewolf stuff, even though evidently I don't know his name. Because <laughs> he's the guy that did proof, right? Yeah. Right, so, um, but yeah, that, that's why it seems so like jarringly different. Whenever we went to the werewolf scenes, especially, it's it's the other artist. Oh, yeah, two totally different artists doing the book. Yeah, as far as, uh, I don't know, for a first issue, it was pretty good. Like, I I don't know, I like the idea of it. Like, what's happening so far seems pretty interesting. It wasn't, it didn't feel like a wasted issue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Set up, set up, set up, set up, big reveal, then go on to the next five issues. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of, I'm sorry, go ahead. go ahead. I'm done talking. Oh, <laughs> I thought you were. I ran out of breath. Oh, okay. That in itself is amazing. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I, uh, I kind of wonder if it's ever crossed his mind that maybe whatever this werewolf is could be a cure for his son. Mm. I wonder if that's going to happen when we read more stories, Rob. Mm. <laughs> well, it makes me wonder why would, why would you keep it in the basement? Because it seems like you get the money right then, bringing it in. Yeah, that's a good point. So I think that's probably going to be a thought in the next one. I don't think he's thinking about that yet. It's possible. He doesn't know it's a werewolf. At, as we read more stories, it is, the thing stared him down before he chased it. Well, I mean, it before he, I think, went after it. Right. I think there was more backstory than what we came in on. Probably. Mm-hmm. So there's there's more taking place down there than what we saw, because he he knows an awful lot about that dude. Mm. So it's true. That's a good point. Yeah, he knows about his kid and. Yeah. Unless he can smell that on them, I don't, or smell them in the house or whatever. Smell their minds. That's just, yeah. That'd be kind of a crazy werewolf. Oh, yeah. Thing of, like, just from the scent of things, he can... Well, he doesn't look like a regular dude either. No. You know, no, he, yeah, he looks I like an albino... I imagine he can, smell, he can smell the sun <laughs> in the house, but who knows? Good times. <laughs> Time. There's lots of snow and death, so yeah, I think that's good stuff. Uh, Mr. Mike, score for book? I'll give it a three and a half. I mean, it's 
I mean, it's not, there's nothing, uh, nothing groundbreaking story-wise here. It's good. Werewolf stories usually are, but mm-hmm. it's the art that's going to make this uh, right. really interesting. I, I got it for issue one. I give it a strong three and a half. Cool. Mr. Uh, Oz? Give it a four. That's I my boy. Oh, man. And it's not Aquaman. I know, it's hard to believe. <laughs> or Justice League. That like werewolf. Smells like a too. wet dog in here. <laughs> oh, man. Mr. J? I'd say three and a half. Mm-hmm. It was pretty good. It's my boy. Hell yeah. <laughs> Craig? <laughs> I'll give it a three. Right. It's a solid first issue. Mm-hmm. I'll fall asleep with that, too. I mean, I think three. It, it was pretty, I don't know, it was pretty fun. Like, the way it moves is very... The flashbacks lead into the the next part, and then at the end you find out that the very beginning is is where the end leads you. So I like I don't know I like the way the story moved. Anyway, uh, Rob, yeah. I'd I'd also give it a three. I initially wasn't going to pick this one up, but it's actually really really good story, so totally worth checking out. Awesome. So a group consensus is basically a three three and a half. Curtis, what do you got? I thought we were going to pass me. No. <laughs> I was being an Curtis, ass last Curtis time. Curtis likes it, so no reading for him. No, well, I know the answer. Probably one and a taco. Mine, mine's, <laughs> I, you all know that I'm very picky about werewolves. Oh, yeah. And the way they look. And uh, I'm not too sure about this one yet. Sure. And I'll give it I'll give it a three and a half like Mike. I did, I did enjoy it. It's, huh? not, it's not five material, but, I mean, if you like werewolves, yeah. Give it, a, give it a try for next issue. Cool. Right on, right on. Washington. D.C.? Right on, Washington. <laughs> oh, right on, Washington. So what does that make the score? I, I still say three and a half. Like, yeah. a, with Curtis's three, score of three and a half like you, that puts it up and over. So three and a half. That's I would say it would be a group score. No? All right. So say we all? Sure. All right. The Matthew McConaughey line. All right, all right. <laughs> I hate that guy so much. Ah, let's move on to Seekers of the I Weird. They stay the same age. That's the only good thing he ever did. <laughs> Man. Anyway, Seekers of the I, Weird. I was going to say, no, uh. <laughs> but then I couldn't think of another movie he did. Right, that was good. <laughs> I mean, he's in Sahara's Steve Zahn, but ah, Steve Zahn's better in the movie than he is. Man. Isn't he in that movie, um... Nope. That was a call. You can't Never remember. mind. Yeah. He did win a Golden Globe recently, and I don't know why that is. Yeah, who'd he marry? But I'm Something. Anyway. Knights of something or not. That asked him? Oh, that's, that's what Steve right. Zahn's That's in, Steve yes. Zahn. I thought you were talking about the other. McConaughey? No. Yeah. No, no. Make Neither a, the McConaughey's. Make no. a look a high. Oh, the, uh, the pothead? Yeah. The old pothead. Right. Not you. <laughs> no, definitely not me. Oh, my chest. No. <laughs> Too much fun tonight. Okay, back to Seeker of the Weird. Enough <laughs> McConaughey nonsense. Rob? Seeker of the Weird has a, a little bit of an, an interesting backstory for it as well, but um, actually, really, really cool art story to start with. I think it'd be a good idea to go over the backstory first. Yeah. Without the backstory, I was like, "What is going on?" Oh, really? I didn't. I didn't didn't feel that, but yeah. Yeah. We'll we'll go ahead and do it anyhow. Um, Secrets of the Weird was originally um, a Disney uh, attraction. Evidently, this guy had come up with extra things he wanted to put into the haunted mansion, which is a Disneyland staple. And uh, Disney thought that they deserved their own attraction. And so he wound up getting 
the go-ahead to make his own whole area called the um, Museum of the Weird. Mm-hmm. And he created all kinds of things to go into this. In the end, Disney wound up passing away before Seekers of the Weird, or I'm sorry, the uh, Museum of the Weird would have opened at Disneyland. And they decided not to open the, the part of the theme park because of it Disney's death. Weird. Yeah, well, yeah it, it was something that Disney was okay with, and like he... I honestly, I think it's because he was trying to probably capitalize on the whole idea of uh, Ripley's Believe It or Not prior to Ripley's being as popular as it was. And not that Ripley's wasn't around, because it was. And it had been around for a while. The roadshow lasted for a long time. But I think it's more a matter of uh, trying to build themselves a museum to beat Ripley's to it, maybe. And as far as setup's concerned, it would make sense to me time-wise for that. But the whole idea of when Disney passed... The people who took over afterwards just didn't have the stones for it, so they're like, "Yeah, we're not, we're not going to do it." So, do went up on his ear, and none of it ever, from what we understand, none of it ever got opened. But a lot of the stuff was actually made, and oh yeah, evidently it's been in Disney lore for quite a while. And so, when they started getting a chance to do this book, they actually wanted to create a whole world for that stuff to exist in. Um, and so that's what Seeker of the Weird is. So a lot of the things that you'll see in Seeker of the Weird comic are actually things that he designed for the theme. Now, evidently, there is other Museum of the Weirds that have opened that were not necessarily connected to Disneyland or Disney World. Right. I know. Just, like, from flipping through it, even before I found out what it was, that's a lot of the stuff reminded me of when I went to Ripley's, believe it or not, and I went to one of their museums. It wouldn't surprise me. I I think myself, the other thing is with with Disney passing, you know, Disney is kind of known for a few things, and the Haunted Mansion is not one of those things, usually. So. It makes me wonder what other kind of crazy stuff would have happened if. Yeah. Me too. Because evidently the the coffin clock, which winds up actually being a big part of this story, and it's featured on the cover here, was one of the big designs that he had for for the museum. So. But either way, uh, when we actually open up the story, we meet our two main characters. I think it's Maxine and Maxwell? Oh, no, it's Melody and Maxwell. Sorry. Melody, yeah. <laughs> and um, Maxwell is kind of sitting in the bleachers just reading a book, and Maxine is playing... Gosh, we had a hard time remembering what this game is called earlier. Lacrosse. 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 Yes, and um, kind of we we find that Maxwell just kind of loses himself in his in his studies and his books, and she's more athletic, and she winds up having a goal that she passed that went high, and it winds up hitting him out in the uh, bleachers, and so as they walk home, they're kind of discussing how both of them are having problems in school. Maxwell is having problems because he's flunking gym and he doesn't want to do any physical stuff and. Maxine's having problems because she doesn't want to study. She wants to be an athlete all the time. Melody. Melody, sorry. And uh, that they're both going to have to go and address their parents on how they're failing in their schools. And, of course, Melody is like, oh, everything's coming to a pro. It's going to come to an end because I'm such a jock, and you're like the kid that my parents always wanted because you're all about the books. They probably won't even care that you're failing. It's very high school drama. Yeah, to start with. Um, their midterm grades are bad, so they're afraid to tell their parents about their midterm grades. Uh, we find that they live in a home that's over a shop. 
and the shop is called Keep It Weird. And uh, we find the mom and dad. Evidently, they run the shop. And uh, Maxine and Melody go to talk to the dad first, and he's in his private study or whatever. And he's basically like, oh, I'm too busy. you got to go tell your mom about whatever's going on. And whenever they come downstairs, she's tell him that she's too busy and like uh, needs one of them to take over running the register so she can go talk to the dad. And they're both kind of like, wow, they really didn't notice anything. Like, they didn't even notice this ice pack that's on my head. And as we kind of go, we, we find out further that Melody really just doesn't seem to care that much about the shop or how weird any of the things are that are in it. And then Maxine, or Max, is like way more interested in all the crazy kind of things that are there. So they have kind of a weird dynamic in that regard. But they managed to close down the shop that evening, you know, crazy thunderstorm, so obviously we're going to be in a horror kind of element. And we hear somebody scream, I think. Yeah. And as they both go running down to investigate, they see the mother and the father fighting giant stuffed, like, taxidermy animals that are all combination creatures, so all chimera. So, like, there's an alligator head bear with tiger legs. It looks awesome. <laughs> a bear with snake arms and wings. And one of the snake arms has a panther head. And they're fighting these creatures with an umbrella that casts lightning and an old-school camera that evidently can turn things to stone. And the kids are both like, oh my gosh, what's going on? And as the parents kind of forgot that they're there, they want to be captured by, uh, I think, the bear, the panther head. And uh, Melody winds up actually hitting one of them with her lacrosse stick, which winds up being an eagle with a shark head. Which is nuts. <clears throat> Looks awesome. To find out that it's just full of sawdust. So whatever these things are, they're animated. But they're not really these creatures. And um, they quickly learn that they're kind of out of their element. They can't deal with what's going on. And then we see neon kind of green skeletal ghosts start fighting the, uh, the taxidermy creatures. To where we pull back and see a character that they mentioned a little bit earlier, which is, I think it's Uncle Roland. Uncle, Uncle Roland. <clears throat> and he's kind of all dressed up like a pirate. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> With a, a sword and a gun that shoots skeletal ghost heads. Skeleton ghost gun. That's what it shoots. Freaking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and from there, like, he kind of starts saving them. And a couple of these strange um, taxidermy creatures bring in this really weird candle that looks sort of like a man made out of wax with blue flame uh, which is immediately called a candle man and uh, as it sits there the flames grow high enough that they change into a lady sorceress who evidently has a bat monkey as a hairpiece <laughs> Bat Monkey Sorceress then tells them that they have to bring the uh, the coffin clock mm -hmm. to her before the Candleman wears out, or the f mother and father are going to die. 
And so the kids are completely out of their element here. I mean, this is like pretty crazy stuff, just to begin with. Um, and it's important to notice that the fire is blue and it starts spreading around the shop. And so the uncle, to try to save them, has them run upstairs. Is not necessarily a good thing in the fire? Not generally, no. Uh, from there they go into the mother and father's private study, which evidently the kids have never been in. And when they walk in there, it's like a whole other room with all these crazy masks on the wall and like this giant doorway that's framed in a mouth. Yeah, and so uh, Uncle Roland like, starts asking them if they have a key. And he's pointing towards the mouth doorway. And of course both Maximum and Melody both have keys, but they both found them at different times. Such a weird name for me, I don't know. But neither of them are actually the key that opens this doorway. And eventually Roland finds a second key that was hidden in the desk that allows him to enter through the door in this apartment building or whatever into a whole nother place. It's a giant museum that he calls the Museum of the Weird. And we can see pretty soon, pretty quickly in there, it looks like there's like a giant turtle dragon skeleton and all sorts of weird aquatic things. A creature that has like a blow-up glove on its head with like pipe stem arms. <laughs> so like just all kinds of weird stuff to be in this museum. Oh yeah. A giant, it, it's a giant room. It's like the idea of the TARDIS inside. It's really huge. That's what I was going to say. Is That's what it reminded me of. Yeah. I, I can't imagine that it's actually connected to the home at all. I wonder if this is like a whole other plane of existence, or who knows. But it's, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, Roland, from there, basically just wants to set him off to some room somewhere, and he'll just take care of it. And even says that like it'll probably take him like two or three days to get all the equipment that he needs to do this. And he doesn't want to have anything to do with the kids. And the kids really don't know what to think of him, because the parents have never even talked about him. I thought it was funny, because I, I, I remember I, he doesn't make it sound like two or three days is a long time. He's like, oh, it'll only take this much time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's huge, because it could take longer than... Yeah, well, and the other half is, of course, we didn't actually even bring the Candleman into the, uh, the museum. But yeah, if the Candleman melts down, that's supposed to be the timetable for the death of the parents. So, I don't know, two or three days doesn't seem very, uh... Promising. Yeah, yeah it doesn't yeah. seem like we're really in a hurry if it's going to take that long to take care of it. But, um... I was also thinking if they're, if you're saying, oh, just two or three days, it might be that the museum area is like a completely different time set or mm -hmm. something. That's true, too. That's, <clears> that's <throat> another yeah. idea. That, yeah. that time may not work the same there. Different yeah. plane of existence. That's, mm -hmm. yeah. As long as time doesn't work faster there. It'll be bad luck. Yeah, three seconds, go. <laughs> But um, as, as Melody and Maxwell explore the, uh, the museum, they find all kinds of things that just don't make any sense. Um, one of being like mirrors that have reflections of demons behind you. Uh, and as they go, they actually wind up finding this strange little lizard creature with these three bells on its tail, or four bells on its tail, standing next to a stagecoach. And as they get close to it, the candle lights and the bells chime and the stagecoat opens and it produces all these 
astral ghosts, just like the ones that Roland was firing out of his guns. And as they fly down into the hallway, they actually merge with some of the statues and start bringing the statues to life in this hallway, in this corridor. And unfortunately, all that Melody and Maxwell can think is to run. And we kind of get this whole further notion that even though Maxwell might know a little bit more about what's going on, he really doesn't have like, the physical tools that Melody does. Because she's all about like running and sliding and getting away from him. And he really doesn't have the tools to do that. But um, as they manage to get out of that area, the creatures don't seem to follow them. But, yeah, um, I thought that was weird. They get a little bit further down the hall, and uh, they're talking about Roland, and then they hear from off panel him say, Stupid. I was stupid. I saw you had the keys, but I didn't. I didn't want to believe. And he's crawling towards them, and his legs are missing. And they're basically on green fire. And the next panel that we even see from them is where they've been sheared off, and they're just stumps with green fire coming out of them. Um, and they're, of course, like, freak out. Oh, my gosh, you know, you're missing legs. What happened? And he's he just says, stop talking. <laughs> I can't bring back the coffin clock. Nobody else can. It's up to you. And then he passes. <laughs> and then we kind of have, like, a little end panel. And that's, the, that's the first book. No. Unfortunately, we didn't, you know, we didn't have a no scene. But we do have a little bit of shaking him, like, uh. And what did Melody say? This really stinks, or this day stinks. Yeah. And that's all she a, says. He doesn't say mm -hmm. uncle. It's kind of a crummy little end, but I guess it makes sense for her. I kind of get the feeling like they haven't seen him much or ever. No, yeah. Well, they, yeah. uh, they, they mention that mom and dad never talk about him. But when you so get... they're, they're aware of what he looks like, because we see a picture earlier, but that's it. But when you get Captain Jack Sparrow as an uncle... Yeah, that's a fun time, right? You'd think so. Unfortunately, when he comes back with green stumps, it's not quite as fun. Well, yeah, but she <laughs> doesn't even care that they're green stumps. No. Which version? Of who? Jack? The Bolt Bolton version or the regular version? Regular yes. version. <laughs> I I assume she's kind of playing out the the stereotypical. I just want to have a normal life character, <laughs> and so. Like, she's railing against anything that's beyond normal, even though in this situation you'd think she would be a little bit more freaked out or anything. But, yeah. Aside from that, I, I felt like it played out really well. Yeah, it was pretty good. I liked it. <clears throat> it was fun. Um, overall, like it, the look to it's pretty cool. And I, depending on where they go with it, it's a miniseries too, so it's like a six-part. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they decide to do with it, like, where it tries to go. But it seems like Magic Fairy Quest Adventure, you know? And even though it really does have DC Plaster, or I'm sorry, not DC. Disney. Disney presents Plastered really big on the front. It doesn't really feel like this is a Disney story. It, it feels like this would be the same kind of story that you would normally see anywhere. It almost feels like almost like a, a Dark Horse story, to tell you the truth. Yeah, it does a little bit. I was going to say, after I started thinking about it a little bit, there for a while Disney did create a whole bunch of kind of, not like horror movies, but a bunch of like just creepy Haunted movies. Mansion. <laughs> no, not like Haunted Mansion. Even before then, they did like some Ray Bradbury books and stuff, and the, this had kind of a similar vibe to me. All I can think <laughs> of is the computer wore tennis shoes. <laughs> I don't know why, that's all I can think of. Hmm. 
God. I know. <laughs> I kind of wonder. There's a there's a really like particular statue that's just off to the side of when they first make it into the uh, museum of the weird, but I never get a good look at it. I don't know if it's supposed to be somebody in particular or not. But either way, it's neither here nor there. <laughs> All right, now Ross, score the book. Go. Uh, probably uh, two and a half. Mr. J. Actually, about four. Yeah, you had a pretty kid. good. Had a kid. See, that's a good. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's what I like. No, it's all good. Craig? Oh, I guess three. Huh? All right. Yeah, I go with three it's also. Start. It does have ghost guns, which is freaking nice. awesome. Yeah. yeah, ghost guns alone are awesome. It's brilliant. And, and evidently, Johnny Depp pirate. <laughs> pirate uncle? Yeah. 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 They're going to gonna cast into a movie. Johnny Depp's key for it, people. <laughs> Come on, he can play anything. Doctor Strange. Yes. Play him in a pirate. Yes. Mm-hmm. Rob, um, I actually really enjoyed it. I, I think I'd probably give it a three as well. I really liked it. Miss Curtis. It's written by uh, Brandon Seifert, who wrote Witch Doctor. Right. Mm. And that alone kind of ups up the tally. So I'll say three and a half. Well, I, I will say this is a far cry from Witch Doctor, but yeah. Witch Doctor was. Freaking phenomenal! Yeah. So that's not really a slight on him. It's just, no, it's it's good. Yeah, it's good stuff. Mr. Mike, it's pretty interesting. Interesting start. Um, give it a three. All right. I don't think overall it pans out to what like a three and a half. Mm-hmm. Probably, probably. We got a couple of high three. ones and then a couple yeah. middle grounds. I'd say I'd say right around three. All right. Myself. Book wise, it was fun. I mean, as far as stories are concerned. Um, I think give it a chance. Don't let the Disney logo like sway you, because yeah. expect the talking cars or whatever. Because if there are, it's gonna be a creepy talking car, mm. not the same kind of like. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Well, I mean, there's there's definitely no shortage of just crazy weird stuff that's going on in the story, and I uh, I like the idea if we're gonna try to find a world for this all to to work in. It I think they've worked out how things are going to work, so I'm really interested to see where that's going to go. Yeah. I like the guns. The ghost guns are freaking awesome. And, like, when I read that stuff, it's like, how do writers describe this for an artist to get it? Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? How, how is he going to write, it shoots it shoots skulls, <laughs> you know, or, or skeletons? I think that's just awesome. Oh, yeah, that's, that's a good point. <laughs> so you're telling me that when it shoots, it shoots skeletons that are, like, ghosts on fire. Yeah. Bring ghost skeletons. Let me see what I can do with that. <laughs> probably went pretty much like that. Yeah, probably. Pretty, uh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Harder than you think, Mike. Harder than you think. Mike, Mike um, doesn't think. That's not true. <laughs> hey, sometimes you enjoy things better that way. I think that's true. All right, so let's move on to Rat Queens number four. Which, um, Rat Queens has been fantastic. This, I think, is... It's just about to wrap up the first story arc. We probably got one more issue, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll do a quick catch up for everybody who hasn't been reading. Um, so you're probably gonna have to help me on this because I'm I'm a little foggy. <laughs> but um, oh gosh, foggy enough that I can't remember the name of the place they're in. Palisade. Yes. All right. So. The no. Palisades at one point were uh, being attacked very, very frequently, and so they actually hired groups of bounty hunters to protect the city. 
to help aid the guards. The problem is now the city is pretty much in order. All these bounty hunters are causing problems in the city. So there's actually several groups, including our main characters, the Rat Queens. But um, we have the Daves, and then we had the, the Ponytail guy, Gang, and like, um, I think it was like the Shadow Legion or something like that. Mm-hmm. And basically what's happening is that the city's not big enough for all these groups. And so when they come across each other, like little petty debutes, disbates just become full-on brawls. And so they're causing more damage to the city than they are worth protecting. So the Captain of the Guard is charged with either getting rid of them or putting them to use. And so he sends each group on its own special errand in the first issue. As they go out to deal with these errands, there's a assassin that's waiting for them in each area. And most of the groups actually get totally torn apart by this assassin. Of course, the Rat Queens don't. But, they get beat up pretty well, though. Yeah. <laughs> the next few issues are kind of trying to figure out who hired the assassin group. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the time we actually get into four, we finally found out who's behind the hiring of the assassin group. And it winds up being a, like a wealthy merchant in the city. I don't remember her name, but yeah, it's, it's a lady, one of the shop owners. Um, and she's, she's basically at the point now where she's like, I've lost too much to leave. But uh, she gets outed along with the captain of the guard, and they wind up having uh, one of the assassins come to face them, and we find out that the captain of the guard is like pretty much B.A., <laughs> Oh yeah, he's pretty awesome. Like he takes care of that that assassin, that ninja-looking guy. It cuts off his hands, cuts, cuts off his head. It's pretty freaking epic. Um, and real quick, we got a group. This group of adventurers are all kind of lady adventurers. You're gonna have to help me with the names. I'm sorry. We got the smidgen. Who's Betty? Betty, who is kind of the thief of the group, uh-huh. but she's kind of. Dim in a way. I think she brought candy and mushrooms as their first meal. I think she just isn't that serious about things. Maybe. Maybe so. Because we, of course, find out in this one, whenever um, we find out how incredibly badass the guard is, mm-hmm. that uh, she's like, everybody has secrets. Like, for me, I make illegal drugs in my house. And he's like, <laughs> Captain the Guard. And she's like, secrets. <laughs> Yeah, she's like a, uh, for those that don't haven't read it, she's like a hobbit, but not as worthless. Yes. <laughs> yeah, she's no. definitely... Uh, she a- she's actually knows what she's doing. Yeah. More like, yeah, yeah. I'll completely go with that. Um, and then we have our sorcerer. We actually have two magic users in this. We have... Um, oh, I know one of them's Hannah. Yeah, Hannah is kind of the lead one. She's mm-hmm. in the red. I don't remember the other one. And if I'm right, she's the uh, she's the ex-cultist, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So she used to be a part of some devil, basically like demon-worshipping cult, which she evidently never was really big on. She just followed along. And so she's agnostic at this point, but she still has some pretty terrible magic. Yeah, it's weird to be like a cleric without a god. Yeah, but she, uh, she'll fall back on that every so often. And then we have our... Uh, our Dwarven fighter. Violet. Violet, yeah. And she's kind of the more noble of the group. And she's been ostracized from her clan. Yeah, and right. then we have our, our more standard sorcerer. and I, I can't remember her name. She's actually the one featured on this cover pretty heavily, and I 
I'm having a hard time remembering her name right now. It's been a second since I read this, so. But either way, that's our Rat Queens. <laughs> um, the first part of the story is that we actually wrap up the assassins. And then we wind up having the city being laid to siege. Like somebody's throwing boulders over the city wall. And when we get there, we find the rest of the Rat Queens are on kind of the ramparts. And the people that are trying to siege the, um, the city is a troll who the Rat Queens killed the, the boyfriend of in the first issue, I think? Well, no, the second issue. Second actually. issue. And, That's when, uh, uh, what's her name? She's, Betty. Yeah, there you go. She climbed up and stabbed his eyes out with her two daggers. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> and so she's calling out for blood. And the rest of the Rat Queens are like, well, how did she even find out about it? And it winds up being like, oh, this guy Gary told us, and then we find the flash over to him, and he's like this really scrawny town guardsman. It's just on the grill. It's kind of funny. Yeah, it's nice hard one. to it's hard to explain. Nice one, Gary. That's funny. Yeah, evidently Gary has a really big mouth. Yeah, <laughs> he's causing lots of problems. Um, but this troll lady is basically demanding that they go down and fight him, or fight her, or she's going to smash through the city gates and destroy the town. And the rest of the rat queens are kind of like, yeah, no, I don't think she'll really do that. But the dwarf girl is like, well, we got to go down and do this. We have to battle him. And I, I guess earlier on, there was a half-orc girl that is saved by the Rat Queens. Yeah, she was in a different band of... A band group. of adventures? Yeah. And so she decides that it's up to her to help them. And so she takes the smidgen and puts her in like a little backpack on her back. Yeah, but before that, she says something awesome. Yes. She says, orcs only know one language, blood, and I'm the effing alphabet. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> so I think that was just the coolest line. Well, the other thing that makes that funny is that the dwarf girl has been trying to come up with her own, like, crazy battle cries. Mm -hmm. And every time they're, like, kind of pathetic. So. Uh, and I think it's Tizzle is actually the, the sorceress's name. Either way. So she winds up throwing her into, like, a Yoda-style backpack. <laughs> and she's loaded up with a bow and arrow, and she's like, you're going to wash my back. So she jumps down there and is fighting with an axe while the smidgen is shooting people with an arrow in her back. And the rest of the Rat Queens eventually jump down behind her. And so they're fighting off this kind of troll army. And they're doing pretty well, but before long we can actually see them start kind of taking their own toll. And they're getting cut up, and their shields are being broken. And, you know, they're they're not doing great against this group, but so far they're kind of holding their own. And eventually the troll winds up throwing a boulder that smashes through one of the walls, <laughs> and another group of the adventurers show up to kind of help out. And once again we have another, like, thing from Gary on the wall where, like, they show up and have their kind of BA moment where they're like, Did somebody call the Daves? <laughs> and he's on top of the wall, No! <laughs> Shut up. Shut up, Gary. <laughs> so we're going to have a lot of like awesome melee in this one. It's it's hard to explain how great this story is without like, first-handing it, because it's a lot of action, and so it doesn't seem like there's a lot of story that I'm telling you. Well, there's, there's a lot of action. It's a lot of quippy lines. It's very much like a, I don't know, it's like a medieval comedy. Skull Kickers, too? Yeah, it's like mm -hmm. Skull Kickers. Yeah, a lot like that, if, you, if you've read Skull Kickers. It's a lot like that. 
Except with the girl version of Skull Kickers. And more naughty. Well, yeah. Yeah, it does definitely have a lot of naughty parts in it. Um, this particular <laughs> one, not so much, because it was more like Carnage and Combat. True. But, man, the dialogue is just great in there. And you know, when they throw the, uh, the mature content on this, it's definitely for language and substance. So Right. But, yeah, it does a great job. I love the artist. I'm really excited to see where it goes. But if, if you haven't picked this one up and you can get a hold of all five or all four of the issues so far, definitely get it. Otherwise, get issue six and wait for the trade to come out because you're definitely going to want to see it. Right. And the way they have this going, they're going to do five and then wait a month and then release the next story arc. Mm, okay. So you'll have that month to catch up. So they'll be kind of like like what they're doing with Skullcarriers. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, it's. I think in this case, it's more grounded in a in like a D and D kind of style fantasy than Skull Kickers is. Mm-hmm. But feels more modern. It is pretty pretty hilarious. I like how they play it out. So I'm real interested to see where they go with it. All right, it's just definitely been a fun book. I I can't quite describe it and capture it in how just fun the book is. Well, a lot of it's, like, situational without seeing, like, how Gary's standing. And, like, seriously, he's standing off to the side, separate from their group, when when he's like, sorry. And they're like, jeez, come on, guy. <laughs> it's just the way of their, their position on the paneling, it, it's it's very comical. And even when Gary's yelling down to the Daves, which is one of the other group of adventurers, he's like, yeah, no one called you. Of course nobody called him, you <laughs> That's the whole point, but like the fact is Gary saying it just is more about how dumb Gary is. And the other fun thing is that they totally poke fun at how everything works in this. So like the shadow group that got killed pretty early on, they're all really like super emo guys and girls. So like they got the nail polish and all black and oh I'd rather die than do this. Oh. You know, they have that whole posture about them. And so when you get to the Daves they're just five guys that are all named Dave that became a group. Right. So it's just... Yeah, the Daves. Yes. Yeah. It's just hilarious that that's what they went with their names because they're all Dave. Right. It really is pretty funny. Lane, you're right. It is. It's hard to kind of describe what it is because it's just so situational. Well, the ponytails were the same way. It's all guys with like these ridiculous little long ponytails. It was the only connection between each other. Yes. Nah, it's, it's been pretty awesome. Uh, Jay, score? From what it looks like and what that story for that one was, I'd say probably uh, a good three looks. I mean, the art is really amazing in it. Can't complain about it. I'd say a good three. Cool. Okay. Mr. Craig? Oh, I'll give it a two. I haven't been following the story and. It's not a good jumping on spot for a new, uh, for just jumping on. This is true. With them doing them in five story arcs, if you don't quite get them right at the the beginning of the arc, it, it is a little tricky. But this one's definitely going to be worth picking up in the end. Well, yeah, we're four starts. You're kind of already. I mean, you're getting close to the end of the first arc, so mm-hmm. that's the same with anything, really. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, I would also give it a three. Like I, I thought it was, it's fun. It's just been fun. And at one point when the captain of the guard just cutting that ninja-looking dude up, the other assassin, like, right before that, what did she say? Let's get stabby? Is that what yeah. she says? Yeah. It's freaking hilarious, man. It's just so funny. 
Uh, anyway, um, and then the whole secrets thing, man, it's it's just the way that it's drawn is it's hilarious. Anyway, uh, Rob, um, I give it a four. I I really enjoy it. I'm a big fan of Skull Kickers. I feel like this is in the same vein, so I'm really happy with the way it goes. There's not enough really good fantasy books, but this is a great fantasy and comedy book, which makes it even better, I think. Miss mm-hmm. Curse, I'd probably go four and a half. I absolutely like the book. Wow. It's, it goes right to the top of the read pile. Yeah, and I know you like dwarfs. Oh, yeah. This is actually probably the second dwarf female that I've ever actually cared about in the comic. Right. So, which, I mean, that's pretty unrare. That's pretty rare to begin with. And I like that they didn't go with the, well, let's give her a beard. Well, she, they, <laughs> she's supposed to have one, but she got ostracized from her clan. Oh, right. so she so shaved, she shaved it. So I she looks a lot better that. without the beard. Mm-hmm. Yes, she does. Mr. Mike? Well, this being the second issue I've read, because I read the first one, uh, I can already tell that, uh, and I'm not usually into the fantasy stuff either, but this uh, definitely equal parts writing and uh, art at Rock Up Church. He's (laughs) pretty damn good. Uh, I have a solid four. Cool. Mr. Roth? I'd give it a four, too. Just looking at it. A four also or a 4.2? Um, a 4.2 just because you brought it up. <laughs> <laughs> Way to up the score. Uh, yeah, I thought it, was, it looked really good. Cool. And it's not, it doesn't have Aquaman in it either. Right? It's like two it outside the normal. <laughs> yeah. It might have Aqua Beasts, though, well, in time. That, so that's far. the point, too, I guess. <laughs> okay. The possibility of Aqua Animals. It's just not in this one. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right on. I think overall it winds up rocking at about a four. I mean, group wise, we had a lot of threes and a couple different fours in there. So those chicks might kick Aquaman's ass. Yeah. <laughs> it, I think it all depends on the playing field. I mean, the magic stuff. How does Aquaman fare to magic, Ross? He's pretty resistant to magic stuff. Too. Yeah, I don't Honestly, know. Man. He hides right under the water. Yeah. <laughs> Get me. Yeah, it's yeah he's actually pretty magically. Delicious? Yes. I don't like where this is going. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. He shaved the beard. Man. He did. He doesn't keep the beard at all. So. No, that's true. Anyhow, uh, yeah. It was a fantastic read. Rat Queens is it's pretty stellar. It's yeah. legit. If you, yeah, if you haven't got a chance to check it out, you really should. Because it's it, that and Skull Kickers also. And both of them are in the same vein. But as far as, like, books are concerned, if you like anything fantasy or even, like, comedy relief type stuff, both those books are great for that. And Rat Queens has been really fun. Yeah. Just Eve. the characters in general, they're, they're just a bunch of... They're, they're all bastards, but they're really awesome. Eve, yeah, very, uh, very light in tone. Yeah. Yeah, even if you don't like fantasy. That's, exactly. that's true, yeah. And I don't. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, it, it does play to stereotypes, but they break those stereotypes, too. Oh, yeah. So. Well, they modernized it and added to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, doesn't one of them have a. She used the magic for it as, as a cell phone. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, she had to the, call her parents. Didn't she have the demon possessed rock? Wasn't that what it was? Mm hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Stupid, but funny. Good stuff. All right, so uh, books to watch for. Uh, Mike? Uh, let's see. Let's say Hawkeye, of course. Right. Saga. Um, yeah. You mm. caught me off guard. All right, man. <laughs> Mr. Ross? 
Now, we got some crazy Justice League news today, so oh, yeah? watch out for What's Justice going on with the crazy Justice League, Ross? Uh, looks like, apparently, in the wake of Forever Evil, Lex Luthor basically takes command of the Justice League and brings Captain Cold with him. Which is very odd. Thanks for <laughs> thanks for running it, running it. Is that JLA or Justice League? Justice League. I'll be dropping that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Which is crazy. Yeah. So those those fans who have been wanting Blue Beetle back who didn't realize that I was Ted Cord, shame on you. First of all. <laughs> oh, now I remember. Hopefully, hopefully that'll be Blue Beetle. That'll be great. One other kind of funny thing about it is in the. In uh, one of the interviews I was reading, because Jeff Johnson liked four of them today, mm-hmm. but uh, the, the Rogue's reaction to Captain Cold being in the Justice League is like they have a get out of jail free card all the time now. That's so, so it's like that's their like go out drinking and smash it up. Yeah, nice. Hmm. Can't see that. Be on the lookout for uh, from what I understand the Flash Annual number two for oh, those yeah, yeah. Uh, waiting for. Wally West to come back. Right, that's right. It's also good news. Mm-hmm. Although I've heard to be you warned also that yeah. he's not the same Wally West that he was before. Which would be unfortunate. I guess we'll see how much they put your information to do. Well, at least the people working on it seem to like Wally. Right. Although it's not, it's not going to be uh, Francis, not Francis mm. which is odd. It's going to be a detective. So hopefully, it's not going to wind up being a you know Tim Drake situation. <laughs> like I said, butchered for the new 52. <sighs> Mr. J? I would have to say probably all new X-Men or X-Men, because those ones have been, for my taste, have been kicking. Yeah? Yeah, all new X-Men has been really good. Yep. Like, the theme to that is still crazy to me, but it's been it really good. It has been really good. Yeah. Time travel book has lasted, like, I figured it was going to be a 10-part arc. Here we are, like, what, 18, 19 issues? Yeah. And it's still good. So, I've liked it. Mr. Craig? Oh, I don't know. Maybe Wolverine and the X-Men? Okay. Well, there's a new one of those coming down the pipeline, too. And it had, the previous run's been funny. I mean, Jason Aaron's great. Like, he's he's a really good writer. I like him a lot. Good stuff. Um, Rob? Well, we got a bunch of new street-level stuff coming up. Um... Daredevil, Moon Knight. I've been hearing rumors now of Iron Fist. We'll know for sure soon. Um, those ought to be all fantastic. The Amazing X-Men has been great, so I'm really excited to see where that's going to go with the, the return of Nightcrawler. Um, and if you haven't checked out X-Force or X-Factor yet, that's going to be really, really cool. That's actually already out now. So, All right. Mr. Curtis? Hi. Hi. Yes. Um... <laughs> I was gonna say, Rick Remender's got a new aquatic sci-fi coming out. I can't remember what it was called though. Aquaman? No. No. Is it the Wake? No. No. It's Scott Snyder. Anyway. Savage Wake Man. Yes, Craig. That's what it's called. called? Mike, what's it called? Uh, Remember? Undertow. Undertow. Announced at the image. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is Undertow. That's not. No, that's not. That's a different one. Oh, really? Yeah. That's a different one. I can't one. remember what it was. Huh. Anyway, yeah. look out for that and Black Science, right? Black Science, and Rat Queens, and all the other fantasy books that are out there. Yeah, Rat Queens is really, really good. So, well, what about that Justice League United? Yeah, that's actually uh, 
I was going to mention that one and one more, but Justice League United is what was going to be Justice League Canada. Hmm. So Justice League Canada is now Justice League United. Now, isn't that taking over the Justice League of America slot? It is, yeah. That's, that's the new Justice League of America, essentially. Much better title, I think. It's going to have, uh, what's his name? Yeah, it sounds like Adam Strange. Strange. Rugby League. Yeah. I'm looking forward, I'm actually looking forward to Adam Strange. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they're going to put him in. They, men- they mention Alana Strange in the huh. in the write up of it too, and I don't know if he has like a daughter or a wife or hmm. maybe a, he's going to be based in Canada too. Well, they mention yeah. Adam Strange too. He's a, definitely the guy version. I find unlikely yeah. he'd be both. I like the monkey too. I hope the monkey's part of the team. Yeah. I have a feeling that's not going to be the case. No, but uh, they finally announced. Aquaman and the others as yeah. an official book too. So yay. that'll be cool to have two Aquaman books. Is that a good right. yay or bad yay? You don't like the others? Uh, the others don't do much for me. I see. I like the others. I don't know why. What about the other others? <laughs> I think it's something different. <laughs> I don't imagine Aquaman will be involved too heavily. But. Yeah, his name's in the title. Well, that's they but. needed a name on the title. Yeah. My, my guess is that we're probably going to be seeing. Dan Jurgens the right others there. from the time when Aquaman was their leader. Huh? So this is probably going to be all the earlier, book. earlier stuff. Yeah, they might try to team seven so, it, which yeah, would be really right cool, now. I think, as long as they're not good or bad. Continue to he hasn't done anything in the last five years that I cared about. Wow, okay. Mr. Bold. He wasn't writing that. He was. Was he? Yeah. Was that in the last five years? Okay, I redact that. <laughs> 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 So harsh. All my Plus years ago. that great lotion. <laughs> right? Man. Oh, yeah, but that wasn't the best run. <laughs> it was okay, though. It was all right. <laughs> Jeff Johns actually did better. Yeah. And I want to stab myself for saying that. <laughs> Although, Dan Gergens did have Ted Cord as a squirrel. That was pretty cool. <laughs> oh, and uh, let's not forget Superior Spider-Man, which continues to be very good. Can we please forget it? Because it's going to be changing back. <laughs> well. Yeah, it will be. But. It's, it's good not to forget anything. Yeah, that's a good point. Marvel rarely ever forgets anything. And who are you? <laughs> well, yeah. might be sticking around. Who knows? I'm the voice of your kind, some guys. Jiminy Cricket. Stop that. Um, let's see. Well, I'll give you a uh, cowl, which was also announced at the Image Expo. It uh, three in the write up a couple of times. It actually, sounds really cool. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do with it. And another one, Bitch Planet. Killer Hugh DeConnick, and I, I know that a fair amount of us can take or leave her as far as that goes, but uh, it's Prison Planet, chicks on Prison Planet. I think that title alone is going to sell that book. Heck yeah, man. It mm-hmm. should be freaking awesome. I'll, I'm going to check it out. I'm, I'm, yeah. <laughs> chicks in prison, Rob. It is going to sell. One of them is supposed to be innocent. I think it's going to sell a lot better than the current uh, title she's Pretty rolled, Deadly? Rolled Pretty Deadly? Pretty yeah, I, yeah, I guess I it depends. Know. It depends we'll on how, how many people buy directly on title. <laughs> It'll be a lot. Everybody's innocent on Bitch Planet. It's true. It's you like know that people. fresh meat. As long as it also depends on if lines. anybody tears up an issue and like, word gets out. <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I think that helped sales of that book, too. Yeah? If she, if she can hit that running on, on Bitch Planet instead of what happened with Pretty Deadly, I think it'll be a good title. You mean having a whole legion of people destroy the book? 
Yes. <laughs> is that is yes. that what you mean? No, I mean the book itself. Oh, you mean that the the story just starts yeah, faster? That, yeah, the story was terrible in the first mm. issue. Of but we had the read along. Well, that no, that was the best part of it. Oh, I see. <laughs> That's not. That didn't have anything to do with with the writing, almost. Two, so. yeah. three. I mean, I don't care about it. Take it. I'd I'd leave it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I didn't get to read the next issue for Pretty Deadly. Is there? Is better. Yeah. I I assumed that it, it probably is going to turn out pretty good, but I don't know. I yeah. I don't know. It's fine. <laughs> All right, I think that, that'll be it for the beginning of season two, I guess. Yeah. Yay! Just, I guess I'm just not. Yeah, that was the beginning. That's yeah. Right. <laughs> you should have saved up for something better. <laughs> no. Okay. No. I just call it year two instead of season two. Yeah. We start out slow that we can build something at the end. No. Oh. <laughs> All right. Yeah, he's gonna suck, and then we can do no. better. No, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think. Well. This is the lead-in. It is season two. Anyway, technically, second season means that the first season must have been good, right? Sure. It's not like you have to go back and watch old episodes, but you could. You can if you like. It builds on. We have an incredible dynamic. The great storyline that continues from issue to episode. That's what I like, Rob. You can't miss any of these. Nice. Or you won't know what's going on next time. You'll be lost. Oh. I'm next not going to lie. You I might know. not know what's going on anyway. <laughs> next time yeah. on Top 5 Comics. Five comics. Who will win? Do we, is there, do we really win things? I probably shouldn't forget the uh, upcoming no. uh, crossover with uh, Red Lanterns and Supergirl. Oh, too. yeah. That's pretty good stuff. <laughs> uh, isn't back, the next issue of Green Lantern a uh, book with mm-hmm. Red Lanterns? Yeah, Green Lantern and Red Lantern issue 28 are going to be one book. I think that'll be next month. Style. Yeah. It is. Sweet. It, it's crazy. That's the sound But it should be is. fairly interesting. I haven't read any Supergirl, but... It's been good. It's been super... It's been super, girl. I I will will (laughs) say, I I actually just was talking about this earlier. Like, Supergirl is, she gets under my skin. Like, I've not read a lot of books where I'm, like, frustrated with my main character because she acts so much like like a girl. You know, like, there's just situations where I'm like, Unicora, why can't you understand? And she, like, I, I get mad with her. But she's reacting in a very, like, realistic way, and I think that's why it drives me nuts. So, great work on the series, actually, because of that. Like, if you can get mad at the character for having a personality, somebody's doing their job really well. Have you seen how Amy Reader draws her? No. Wow. (laughs) Okay. She's going to be in Justice League United, by the way. That's true. That's true. There's, there's a couple other characters that are going to be in there, but we're not going to. I don't want to tank it before it's turned. I don't think that Fox Animal is actually a character. I think this is to make Animal Man important. <laughs> I don't know. It'd be awesome. Fox only hangs around on his shoulder all the time. Bring his own herd of animals with him. Yeah, how else is he going to get power, Steve? I need them in space. <laughs> well, could they all have the Can space he communicate with that? That would be fantastic. thing? Badge can speak English, Badge damn it. Speak English. <laughs> <laughs> what is wrong with you? Everybody can yeah, communicate can with you. You mean he can reach over he with the... No, he doesn't control animals. What the hell does he do? He, What's takes, he takes their powers. Well, then he could take... Badges and yeah. learn how to speak English? Sure. Good job. <laughs> Instead of Canadian. <laughs> oh, my God. 
Well, wouldn't have the Green Lantern powers because it's going to be I'd be really surprised <laughs> if he did. I think you had to have the ring to use the ring. The way that Animal Man works now, he doesn't really have to have animals around to connect to him. No. Although I think he lost the transmorphing powers, right? Mm-hmm. So he just has the, the abilities that they have. So I guess if he was around Badge, he would he would know how to climb trees really well. <laughs> and probably scratch and bite. Like a mofo. He might be able to actually glide, too. Stuff nuts depending on if Badge cheese. can glide without the ring. Yeah, it's the disappointing part. Where... Say, you know hide his nuts? It's a space squirrel, not a real squirrel. I know, Badge. What about that, uh, that stupid uh, detective uh, chimp thing? What about him? Smart monkey? Yeah. That's happened. Coco. Detective in the chimp. Yeah, that's true. He's, yeah, he's not very smart if he's smoking a pipe. Well, it's gonna give him cancer, man. He's hard boiled, quick. okay? <laughs> he's, he's a monkey that's also a detective. Hard make you smart, Curtis. He's a magic. That's what we've learned over time. Well, it's true, but he's definitely not a scientist. He doesn't have a lab coat. <laughs> it doesn't. Is this <laughs> done <laughs> yet? It's <laughs> <laughs> not self destructive. We're done. That's true. Uh, <laughs> and. Tiki? Tiki! 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 Hey, you did it! Yeah, it's a key, whatever. Yeah. <laughs>